Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Boys, I am excited. When was the last time I was excited about not even just podcast things, but anything in general? In my, all of my years of knowing you, you have never once been excited about anything. I can't remember the last time I was excited until now because hockey is back and I'm actually excited that it's here. Does he know? Should we tell him? Evan, the Red Wings are, how do we say this gently? It's it's an outlook not so great, champ. Oh, I know. That's okay. I'm just happy I don't have to watch the CFL on Sportsnet <laughs> anymore. Oh my god, Evan's actually excited for a season. I thought you were just completely devoid of human emotion. Me too. Me too. Here, here we are. He really is Shea Weber in every sense of the word. You know, hockey starts up, fantasy starts up, which is going to be a blast. Uh, we got the home opener on Sunday, and we've got the meetup, so... Those are all the things I usually hate, but I don't know. Something's in the water right now, and I'm excited. Holy. Evan is excited for the meetup. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. If you guys needed any indication ever that this is going to be our biggest, best, most fun year yet, listen to what Evan Lopsinger, absentee podcast host extraordinaire, but yet still the most loved host on the Winged Wheel podcast, just said. I have a strict rule of going to breweries with less than four people, and so this is going against it, but I'm still excited. Dude, you might see a hundred people. Yeah, that's terrifying. <laughs> Not that I, you know, don't like big crowds, it's just my social energy is always very minimal, and I need to just get away, but this will be good. I'm really excited for this week. I was going to say, I'm glad you don't have true social anxiety, because you you are aware how many people listen to what you're saying I've right literally now. no social anxiety at all. I just, no, after a while, I just get sick of humans. You could be the greatest person of all time, and I after two hours, I'm like, I need to leave. And despite that, Evan is excited for Red Wings hockey. He is excited for the meetup ahead of the home opener. That is legitimately the best kickoff to the 2019-2020 hockey season that we could have asked for. We this also is also the second take of what we've just done. <laughs> <laughs> we've been and here for an hour. <laughs> and the excitement level is still high. Let you- me tell you, if there's things I hate more than the things I listed before, it's restarting the <laughs> podcast. That is top three things I hate. We have uh, just we're gonna do this very quickly. We have a we do the equipment upgrades modularly you know we th- we think about what we need to improve next because we're legitimately always trying to improve the show yeah and the next one's going to be a digital recorder for the for the podcast so um yep the winged wheel podcast screw you lenovo <laughs> the winged wheel podcast kicks off its 2019 2020 season this is the official 2019 detroit red wings season preview episode we know we had the part one last week but this is the uh cream of the crop this is the piece de resistance this is our official season preview episode, which means hockey is back. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. My name is Ryan Hanna. I am hungry and also Brad Crisco. I am cabin fever. I've been in this basement surrounded by you two way too long. That's I'm Evan. going crazy. That is Evan. And uh, us three make up the Winged Wheel Podcast. If this is your first, ta- first time listening, welcome. If you are a longtime listener, thank you for sticking with us. We made it through the offseason. Hockey is back. I would like to point out, 
some special news that this episode and for this foreseeable future, for the next couple months, these episodes of the Winged Wheel Podcast are sponsored by Labatt Blue. We want you to celebrate this season with Labatt Blue and the Detroit Red Wings. And if it's not celebrating, we still want you to do whatever you're doing with Labatt Blue uh, all season long. You can find specially designed cases of Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light at your local retailer, hopefully not too far from the LCA or your couch, to hashtag Sally on with Labatt Blue. Uh, Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light are the official Canadian beers of the Detroit Red Wings, and what better way to deliver that message than three good old Canadian boys. So whether it's celebration or whatever it is we're going to be doing with the Red Wings. What about hashtag crushed on ice? Because the wings are going to get crushed, and you just crush your beers on ice. Uh, that could we should send that to their ad team. We'll see if that's officially. You're hired. My, I'll send my CV their it, way. No, please, we can't afford to lose you. <laughs> yeah, and uh, after that opening, your stock just went way up. Yep, and that's the last one I do until 2020. Your follow, his followers yep. just doubled for sure. Yep, and uh, I, I can confirm as a Red Wings fan, I will responsibly be crushing more than a few Labatt Blues trying to get through this season. Uh, as you can tell, I'm the optimistic one of the group. Yeah, that pivoted, eh? It used to be me or Evan. And then it didn't, it was all of a sudden not. I'm not optimistic at all. I'm just happy to see some hockey. <laughs> yeah, I'm with Evan on that. I'm so excited to actually watch hockey again. I like after, you know, three or four games that will not no. be gone, but it'll be, it'll be lesser. Look, we, unless the Red Wings start on a 4 0 winning streak, and then I'm going to be streaking with a banner saying <laughs> we're going to win the cup. And then we're going to have that conversation in April where we're like, remember that four game winning streak we went on? If we would have lost one of those, we would have finished in this spot and we would have drafted Lafreniere. I feel personally attacked right now. <laughs> I do I, not this that this has happened like for the past three years. The We're going to have fun with this season because like last season, we know what we're coming into and it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom. We are going to have reasons to celebrate. That's why we're here. Uh, but before we get into the official Red Wing season preview, we do want to talk about the official uh, Winged Wheel podcast meetup, which does happen on Sunday at 1 p.m. at Founders Tap Room in Detroit. Uh, Founders Tap Room Detroit is legitimately a stone's throw away from uh, Little Caesars Arena. Um, and when I, I mean, like, you could actually toss a stone. We don't recommend it. Uh, it's at 456 Charlotte Street. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to meet up at Founders Tap Room Detroit starting at 1 p.m. Uh, Brad, Evan, and myself, and also um, our much better halves will be there. Uh, we're going to have great beer. There's going to be awesome food. We are going to bring every piece of swag that we have. We've been stockpiling all summer. We have a triple XL violent gentleman shirt. If anyone is interested in just having that, yeah, uh, I have one that's been sitting in my trunk as well. We have stickers. We have bumper stickers. If you have a vehicle, and you, uh, I'll go outside and slap it on your car. Put myself. it right beside your Settlers of Catan bumper sticker. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we have uh, magnets. We have buttons left over. Uh, we're gonna bring a ton of shirts. We're gonna give stuff away. Um, if you're gonna be, it's gonna be like me at a strip club, but with stickers. Just making <laughs> it rain. Uh, if you can, if you bring a Sharpie, you might be able to trick Evan into signing something. We, this is the second time we have now talked about this and I'm not signing anything. <laughs> you, you've you, signed something. I know. And like I said, the last time we recorded this, <laughs> I said it was probably so I could just leave. More rare than an autographed Red Wings jersey isn't an autographed anything by Evan Lopsinger. I don't, that may be the only time I've autographed something in my life. 
outside of like official documents and whatnot. Do you know how few people actually sign anything at any point in their lives other than official documents? So that already puts you in the top one percent. True. Evan. Yeah. Why would like, and also why would you have signed anything before starting a popular podcast? I don't know. Do you understand the concept of why people want your signature? I don't have this any idea why someone would. Explains a lot about Evan. He doesn't understand the very nature of popularity. Is this what happens when you're born really, really good looking? You just like stuff comes to you. You're like, oh, I don't know. I guess everyone has it this way. <laughs> I don't know. I just kind of did my own thing. And Evan has face privilege. That's I, what he has. I feel like high school was very easy for Evan. Oh, my God. High oh, school was the great, easy. <laughs> greatest years of my life. What about college? I took. So when I went to high school, we only two of us, only two people. Of the guys went to university after grade 12. Everyone stayed back into grade 13. Everyone did the victory lap. Every single one of us except for two guys. Two nerds. Yeah, two absolute nerds. And let me tell you, that was a great year. How did, how did undergrad go for you? I took, I had spare, no, it was gym, physics, gym, <laughs> physics, gym, spare. You, you had double gym? It. Yeah, yeah, because we had a gym where it was like, you go bowling or like. What the? You, class? you go curling or something. I actually went curling for high school gym class and curling is so fun. Oh yeah. And hard. Yeah. Real hard. Whole new respect for uh as hard as this for season's gonna heroes be. and curling. Anyways, if you guys come, you're gonna meet <laughs> us brilliant idiots. Uh the meetup is legitimately the most fun thing we do in this podcast. And I mean including episodes, I mean including giveaways, I mean when we go to games. No. The meetups are the most fun we ever have. Every time we do it, we walk away giddy and just so happy and just so enamored with you guys. It's the coolest thing that we do. Last year we had about 50 people roll through. I want you guys to double that. Founders has opened up the whole tap room for us. They said, make it yours. As many people as you can fit in here is great. I want you guys to show founders that this is a huge, huge, huge fan base. The Dub Dub Army, I think you guys have called it, or the the cheese bags, <laughs> I think is something that's probably going to stick more. The big thing for me is it kind of like resets the, the, the system a little bit and it like reminds me why we do the podcast and, you know, it's not just we record it and then we leave and then we see each other in four days. There's people that actually listen to this and like they enjoy it and people get something out of it. So the timing of this couldn't be any better because we're rolling into a new season. We're doing this big meetup and people enjoy the podcast. So uh, full steam ahead. I thought we did the podcast so we wouldn't have to talk to Leaf fans anymore. (laughs) Oh, I still have to talk to them. They're called friends. Yeah. <laughs> no, that uh, what Evan said is exactly it. Evan. Evan, this is new season. This season, Evan, like the character development in this season for Evan is phenomenal. The writers are doing a great job. And it, we're only a couple minutes into the first it's episode. It's not New Year, same Evan. No, it's not. Oh, Brad, we have pressure now. We have to change. No. Uh, uh, I'll learn how to dance. Nah, 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 nah. Is this good? Evan, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> uh, okay, the uh, the Red Wing season preview. Actually, one more point. We have a big giveaway attached to this episode. Uh, we're not going to spoil it. We'll do it right before overtime. The Red Wing season preview. So last episode, we talked to you about all of the young guns who got assigned to the Grand Rapids Griffins. Uh, included Philip Zadina, Joe Valeno, Michael Rasmussen, Evgeny Svechnikov. Uh, big Mo Cider. Big Mo Cider. 
And we talked a lot about that. And we have an interview later uh, with Max and Prashanth where we chatted a little bit about that as well. We recorded that interview on Sunday. I legitimately forgot that was going to be attached to this episode. <laughs> I saw your face. I'm like, do you forget? We, re- we sat and recorded that interview. Yeah, I just because we recorded another episode, our last episode right before we recorded that interview with them. So I just kind of pieced them together. I As I was editing that episode, I almost put it in there and I went, wait, what am I doing? That's not right. Uh, anyway, so that is going to be coming later. Uh, but first, we are going to talk about the Detroit Red Wings of this season. First line, do we want? How do we want to do this? Line by line, do line, we want- line by line. Quick outlook for each player this season and what we reasonably expect from them. Easiest line to start with: Larkin, Bertuzzi, Mantha. Uh, good, good, and real good. So Dylan Larkin had a uh, a scary injury in practice in that it wasn't didn't look scary. Uh, he had, he took a lo- weird turn, uh, tumbled into the boards. It all looked very innocuous. Uh, he got up funny and was clearly shaken up, and then ended up leaving under his own weight. But still, uh, the Red Wings said they had to run tests. They weren't sure what the results would be. Everything came back negative, thankfully. And uh, Larkin himself has said he's going to start or he's going to be playing on Saturday, which is the Red Wings' first game uh, in Nashville. The home opener is uh, in Detroit Sunday uh, against Dallas. So that's good news. Uh, We can breathe easy. Other major injuries still to be mentioned, including Athanasiu, give us pause. But still, Larkin, Bertuzzi, Mantha will start the season. This is, I, I'm going to say the last last season was the most important season of Dylan Larkin's young career, and I, I think I'll maintain that because he did a phenomenal job of taking that step forward. This season, for him, is easily the second most important, right? Yes. He has to take the step that he took last year and find a way to extend it even, even further. Dylan Larkin's not going to have a wealth of talent to play with. I mean, he did. We did. He's find- got he's got the amount of water on the side of a road that just piled up. Yeah, essentially. He did find that special line combination with Bertuzzi and Mantha. If they stay healthy, if that entire line stays healthy, that means Larkin now gets a full season playing with competent full first line. They'll have eighty percent of the points. I honestly don't think he'll be far off. That being said, this is assuming that Larkin, Bertuzzi, Mantha is going to stick together all season. Now, let's say they play half the time. That is a substantial amount of quality minutes that Larkin's getting. What did he get last year? Like 82 points, was it? No, he, it was 70-something. It was yeah. just a hair under a point per game, and he missed a handful of games. Yeah. Now, that is going to be huge for Larkin to get those quality minutes. And you know what the most important thing is? Mantha staying healthy. Which I'm going to follow up your point on Larkin. This is the biggest season of Anthony Mantha's career. By far. Anthony Mantha should have been a 30-goal scorer by now. He would have been last season if he didn't miss, like, what was it, 15, 16 games by breaking he, his hand again. He was on a 30-goal pace. Yes. Um, Larkin's shown what he can do. Uh, at the beginning of last season, we were saying, and even into the season, we were saying Larkin, in reality, is objectively a good second-line center, but he is Detroit's first-line center. You look at his production last year and the impact he made on the ice. Uh, Micah McCurdy of Hockey Viz has uh, put out uh, Larkin's heat map. Larkin's a first-line center. Larkin is a first-line center that is just doing the best with what he has. And that means Anthony Mantha has to have the biggest year of his career. And Anthony Mantha could and should be a first-line winger. Yes, 100%. Um, The good news. Towards the end of last season, the last 10 or so games, Anthony Mantha lit the world on fire. I think over that stretch, he led the entire NHL in scoring. He then went to the World Championships and played for Team Canada. And 
dummied that tournament. So then everybody's like, okay, he's got some momentum. Hopefully it'll carry it into this year. Preseason came and Anthony Mantha continued to dominate. So there's nothing that has happened in his last three stages of hockey that has given us any indication that he shouldn't be not dominant, but a top end winger this year. If he doesn't score 30 goals, it's a disappointment. I'd go so far as to say with the way he finished and started, finished last season, started preseason this year. If he doesn't hit 35, it might be a disappointment. Legitimately, if that Larkin Bertuzzi man, the line stays together all year. I'm going to get a little bit aggressive here. If Larkin Bertuzzi and Mantha stay together, let's say 60 games this year, I think Mantha should be a 40 goal scorer. God, my fantasy team hopes so. Oh, you did end up with Mantha. Yep. Did you end up with any Red Wings, Brad? No, I specifically chose none so that the disappointment would be lessened. I got Philip Ronick. That was the one I was able to take. Yes. I, I usually allow myself one. This this is the first year, though, in the history of the WWP podcast, uh, Fantasy Hockey, that I actually have two starting goaltenders, though, so this feels weird. Oh, Somebody has... F- uh, the guy I'm playing this week has, like, four. Yes. He has four starting goalies. I need to trade him. I'd, uh, Wait, Matt, are you crying, Ryan? Yeah. Oh, you have four start- starting goalies. No, I don't. They're all... Like, Carter Hart's my best goalie. That's not bad at all. And then after that, I think it's Corey Schneider. <laughs> that also could be really good. I have Jakob Markstrom. He might not be the starter, right? No, he's, yeah, he's, he's a, a starter. starter. He had a 915 save percentage last year. Who's the young guy? Demko. Demko. Mm. Yeah. I also have Carey Price. Yeah. So I don't feel bad for you. How'd you guys let me get him in the fourth round? Look, okay. Relax. I relax. Have... Goalies always go too soon. I'm too focused on wingers at that point. Let's get back to the Red Wings. We talked about Larkin. We talked about Mantha. T- Tyler Bertuzzi has to be the, the luckiest guy in the Red Wings right now. Yeah. He, uh, he scratched off his card and he revealed the amount and said wow you have been gifted 50 points <laughs> he's a good player he's a really good player and he works hard for those 50 points oh yeah tyler bertuzzi before his production last year we said like look this is the the upper limit of what this guy can do he has that offensive game to him he has the hustle to reach it all he needs is some quality line mates and he's accomplished all three of those things yeah he's he's what we hope justin applicator would be yeah, uh, Tyler Bertuzzi is a very rich man's Justin Applicator, and um, having him on the top line, I wouldn't even feel bad about that if this was a team with, you know, three talented lines. If this was a team stocked with talent, Tyler Bertuzzi works well on there. He works hard to generate space. He gets in the tough areas. He, he works to win puck battles. He moves with the pace of play. He's able to adapt based on... He's not afraid to get into the shit either, which is great. Exactly. Uh, if he wants to be in front of the net, the if corner, he wants to suck a bench. Punch, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, if he wants to suck or punch a guy from the bench after getting speared in the gut, it is what it is. If there's any Colorado fans listening. He's not afraid to stand up for his teammates. So let's just leave it at that. No. There's almost nothing but good things and high expectations for all of Larkin Mantha and Bertuzzi. Even if Bertuzzi's production goes down a little bit, but Larkin and Mantha's go up, I'll see. I'll still see that as a tacit, tacit success for all three because their production is codependent. Now, if that line gets broken up, which it very well might, because as you as you'll see in a little bit, there's not a ton of talent to talk about. Then we're looking at different outcomes here. I'm curious to see how Jeff Blashill adapts to a. The true takeover of these young gu- by these young guns and be the Steve Eisman era. Steve Eisman might not sit and accept, you know, breaking up the only good producing line or hurting the development of these guys. Alicia's short. 
Yeah. We're, we're going to talk Is about Blasio's leash. I want to talk about Blasio's leash after we talk about the players. Uh, Philpula, Hirose, and Glenn Denning practice together, but essentially Philpula, Hirose, Glenn Denning, Nielsen, Ernie, and N are going to be the most likely middle six. Yeah. Before Athanasiu sat out practice with his injuries, the, exactly. lines, the lines that were skating were Athanasiu, Glenn Denning, Hirose, um, and no, sorry, Ernie, Philpula, Nielsen, and I think they had Nielsen at center. Yeah. Before I listed those, I forgot that we hadn't talked about the other major injury, which was Athanasiu has is dealing with something that was lingering from camp. It's not too much information out. I'm not sure how long term it'll be. He might not be playing for the opener, but regardless, he will be slotting in, in the second line, likely opposite Hiroshi once he is back. Uh, Taro Hiroshi is a great place to start. He is a uh, one of the success stories of the last year for the Detroit Red Wings around the same time that Larkin, Bertuzzi and Mantha started clicking um, Kuffner and Hiroshi were signed to the Red Wings and Hiroshi really did make the most of his audition. And he, he played, what was it like 11, 10 games, seven points, 10 games, seven points for Hiroshi. And they looked good. The three, the, the three things that he demonstrated, actually, let's just say one thing that he demonstrated hockey IQ. He demonstrated a high, high hockey IQ. I've said before on the podcast that he has a way of elevating the game of those around him. Is this an elevation to the point where he transcends like bad players and he can make anyone look good like how Connor McDavid does? No. I'm talking about Taro Hirose. Did you just see a funny meme? Uh, Somebody... At the Rangers, uh, you know the players skate out at the yeah. start of the game. The one guy fell. Leah Sanderson, I yeah. saw that. Oh, yeah. He tripped on a... Oh, my goodness. Poor uh, guy. Poor guy. Yeah. And down oh. he goes. Oh, man. He's going to Welcome to the NHL, that. rookie. Oh. Um, Taro Horosi, he does make his, his winger, he does make his linemates better in that he's just genuinely a good playmaker, which Detroit doesn't have a lot of, so it just looks so special right now. But I'm going to come out and say... I'm not 100% sold that this will be a huge uh, linear scale upwards for him. So, like, that near point-per-game pace is what we're going to see this year. I would be surprised if Taro Hirose, you know, scored 40 points. I think that's well within reach for him, but I could also see a lot going wrong because he's not, if he's not playing with Athanasiu, who else is he really playing with that's going to get him those points? There's literally no one else who can put the puck in the net on a consistent basis. Yeah, because one of Hiroshi's strengths is giving the puck to the right player at the right time. Now that doesn't necessarily mean it's always going to be in the slot or a back door, so whoever he gives the puck to, say it's a Dela Rose, yeah, even Dela Rose is going to finish those more than he doesn't. It's coming through the neutral zone, standing on the half wall, hitting Athanasiu in perfect stride at the perfect time so that he can go in and finish the play. So if Hiroshi's playing in the top 6 all year, I think 40 points is his minimum. Anything less than that, I'd be disappointed. If he spends a good chunk of time out of that top six, I think 40 points would be uh, an exceptional season for him because it's going to be very dependent on who he's playing with. Or the power play just takes a massive step forward. Yeah. Also, yes, which the way it's shaping up, I actually would not be surprised. That first unit with Chalosky, Mantha shooting more, Hiroshi on the half wall. Uh, Larkin Bumper, Bertuzzi Netfront, I think has a lot of potential. I don't even hate the second unit with uh, Green and Hironic just no, teeing off. me either. Um, so, and the reason the second unit matters to Rossi is you got to have a good second unit to keep the first unit honest and uh, so that the other team can't just stack against them. Yeah. But anyways, um, 
and the the big concern I have for Hoshi this year, he came into camp and he looks quicker this year, which was one of his biggest flaws last year, which is good. His they other did want him to work on his skating, and yeah, he has, and it looks noticeably improved. The other flaw was his defensive game, which is remains to be seen. And as we know with this coaching regime, if you're not good defensively, you tend to tumble down the lineup pretty rapidly. Mm-hmm. So even though Hiroshi might start in the top six, he might not last more than a couple weeks there. And if that's the case, you start to wonder if he should go to Grand Rapids because he is not in any way, shape, or form suited to play on a line that's not a scoring line. I feel bad for career AHLers seeing all the stars coming down for the Red Wings going, what the hell? Turner Elson's like, How, when did I end up a fourth liner? <laughs> uh, the best thing that can happen to Taro Hirose is uh, Andreas Athanasiu having a, a healthy season. Yeah, Andreas Athanasiu is an extremely talented player who is essentially a wild card. His ability to generate offense and generate quality scoring chances out of nothing is uh, his biggest strength. Taro Hirose can get him the puck. Taro Hirose can work with that. Taro Hirose can find that right spot on the ice to be or send him to to make sure that he's maximizing that kind of talent. Athanasiu has been doing that in spite of not like in spite of a lack of talent. Having Hirose opposite him can benefit him, and then all of the, obviously that would carry Hirose's uh, numbers up as well. Who else is a playmaker that can slot in on that line? Well, Philpula will Philpula and Nielsen are the two centers who are going to be coming in and out of there. And uh, right now it's Luke Glendening. Right now it's Luke Glendening, and it's uh, we're going to see a lot of that. Glendening and Helm, Abdulkader, Della Rose—they're all going to get second line minutes this year, whether you like it or not. Can Some we, of those guys are going to see first line minutes. Can we just refer to this as the top five? Yeah, essentially. It's just... You we have, have your the first line, then we have 3A, 3B, and 3C. There's no second line. No, we have we have the top line, we have second line wingers, and then we have filler. Yeah. That, that is... Guy, guy, uh, not, guy. Not, yeah, no, I don't want to dump on Nielsen and Philpola and, and all these guys, because they're... they're I'm gonna. I'll say quality NHLers in the sense that they actually belong on an Seasoned NHL roster. NHL okay, yeah, 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 yeah. They belong on an They're NHL not roster. Replacement, line. not like the the. If we're again, we're gonna harp on them a lot this season. So sorry in advance, but like the Ablocator, who if it weren't for his contract, is absolutely an AHLer at this point. These guys belong on an NHL roster, but the argument should any of them be in a top six? Hard no. Should any of them be in the top nine? Eh, maybe, uh, but. Yeah, no. And that's yeah. why we're looking at the bottom of the the table this oh, year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, your your version of it's our top five and then seven guys is very accurate. And that's why that's why we've uh and we've been guilty of this, but that's why we've stopped really getting too worked up about it. From time to time we, we let ourselves go. Like Luke Lindenning on the second line, you know. Yeah. Well, when your team's bad, you're bound to rage at some point in time. Of and, course. And let's not ignore the obvious. We do two episodes a week throughout the entire <laughs> season. We need something to talk about. That and when you're doing two episodes a week and watching every game and, and, and providing analysis and you know taking notes, you're in the weeds and you start to get a little bit of Evan's cabin fever. The Tampa Bay Lightning podcast must be so boring to listen to. They're like, oh, yeah, Kucherov just dangled everyone again tonight and has 40 points. He's played three games. It's probably so boring. They had like four listeners because they're all out on the beach enjoying the weather and golfing. Must be what we thought this podcast would be when we started it in 2015, eh? Actually, no, we all knew no, at that time. we knew what yeah. was coming. Uh, we, we just couldn't talk about it because the listeners got really mad. Um, oh, Hiroshi and Athanasiu. We talked about Hiroshi. Athanasiu. 
Athanasiu has to make the most of this year. He has a contract coming up. Uh, he's not going to have a quality centerman like Dylan Larkin for most of the season. He's going to have to continue his massive step forward that he took last year. So many Red Wings took a huge step forward. Essentially, the whole top five that we just talked about yep. all took a giant leap forward. This is Athanasiu's time to show that he is worth keeping on at a, a long-term high price extension because that's what he's going to be looking at. Yeah, that's the one thing we didn't even mention. Um Mantha and Bertuzzi are also looking at new contracts at the end of this year. So it's a huge, huge year for three of the Red Wings top five. Yeah, it's uh, going to be very, very important for them and for the team. Uh, and for Steve Eiserman because he's got to set the table. Yeah. And it's got to be a lot better than what they were doing in Toronto if, with blank checks and people now are getting theirs. If Athens, you can score at a 30 goal pace this year, Steve Eiserman can go, yep, you are worth signing for six, seven or eight years. If he doesn't, if he regresses to like 20, even 25 goals, assuming or let's say 25 goal pace, then then you got to start wondering, is he a 30 goal scorer? Is he a 20 goal scorer? He's not a playmaker. He's here for one reason and one reason only to score goals and to finish the place going. Yeah, he's, he is what he is as a player. Uh, Andreas Athanasiu, if he doesn't put up this year, I can see him. Sh- I can see them signing him to a short-term contract at decent money to keep him placated, but then moving him. Uh, we always talk about uh, potential trade pieces. as one of our most common questions is move uh, Mantha or Athanasiu to shore up defense or to get another high-end pick to try and gamble at uh, a game-breaking talent. Mantha's perceived value is much lower than what I think his actual value is. And I think Athanasiu's perceived value might even be a touch higher than what his actual value is. So I think this is a huge year to decide um, Andreas Athanasiu's future with the team. Now, this team is by no means swimming in talent. And Andreas Athanasiu is a very, very good hockey player. The end goal is to lock him up. You yeah. want to keep him on the team. Yeah, it's with the way the prospect pipeline is shaping up right now, it's that whole let's trade one of our top fours for a defenseman. Ah, that shouldn't be a conversation anymore if we're being honest because – between Cider, Tuomisto, McIsaac, name off every other like the Rings are very Oski and Hironik have just graduated. Yeah, they're graduated now, but we'll include them in here. The Red Wings are looking real deep at defense for the next ten years. Now all these guys won't pan out, but even if only four of them pan out, you're happy. So you know where the Red Wings are thin? Forward. Yes. Because they have Rasmussen, Svechnikov, Valeno. Uh, Zadina, and then a whole lot of maybes. You set the table with your the players you draft and develop, and then you go out and you find pieces, complementary pieces in the offseason for those needs you're going to need when you take a true run. Yeah. And we're not there, obviously. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, you know, you just stick to the plan for now. See where what you're getting with these players and where where their ceiling is projecting to be and you give them contracts based on how you think the next five years are going to look. Now, we just talked about the top five. In case you guys haven't noticed, four of the top five are all RFAs at the end of this year. Which is fine because we got a cap space. Yeah. Taro Horosi is the only one without arbitration rights. The rest of them do. Um, and so be on the lookout for extensions starting now. They won't come soon, I don't think. It's hard It's hard to know. I, I think maybe Eisenman might take a gamble on Mantha or, or Athanasiu earlier on. But I also think Eisenman is still very well taking stock of this team. And, and nobody is guaranteed to stay. Uh, and he's not afraid to make moves unconventional to the Detroit Red Wings organization. So um, it's going to be an important year for that. It's so scary to say four of our five good players on forward at forward. 
are up this year. Um, th- that's the top five. We know what to expect from them. I want to talk about the two centermen who are going to be most of the time flipping between 2C and 3C, which is... Uh, and left wing, apparently. Yeah, Franz Nielsen and Valtteri Filippula. Uh, Flip, this is his first year back with the Red Wings. We missed him. Yeah, it was very uh, emotional seeing him coming back. Like, seeing him in the f- in 51 was just like, ah, this. the last time he was here, the team was good. And it just brought back a lot of memories. Um, was, was it just me or like, was it hard? Just not differentiating, but it was confusing because Philpola and Nielsen look like the same player out there. So that Philpola is wearing Nielsen's number, but it was actually Philpola's number. And now Nielsen's wearing Hosa's number. I, every time one of them touches the puck, I'm double glancing to yeah. truly grasp who it is, even though I know who it is. Yeah, it's... Um they're not wildly different players. I, they're definitely different players, and they bring different things to the, the ice. But not at the same time, much. they're at the same. I don't know. They're both, they're you th- know, right beside each other in the f- vanilla line of ice cream. They, yeah, they're they're at the same juncture of their career. They used to be really effective players. The age curve is catching up to them. Both of them have found ways to be productive in the past, and both of them have found ways uh, to not be productive uh, because you know age gets everyone. Philpola, as you know, had a overly productive last year, which kind of suggests that he might have a regression to the mean because, again, Father Time wins every battle eventually. We saw a lot of that with Franz Nielsen last year. There were stretches where you were like, yeah, this is fine for a second line or center on a bad team or a third line center. It's it's passable. It's not dragging the team down. But there was also times where I was just like, you know, when Zadina came up, he was not keeping pace. He was not sending Zadina to the open areas of the ice. He wasn't finding open areas of the ice. He was giving away the puck. He wasn't doing anything with the scoring chances Zadina was was giving him or vice versa. It's not really promising to have them in there. But at the same time, it is what it is. I don't want to say it could be worse because, like, obviously the, the two centers could be, like, Dilla Rose and N. But, yeah. Uh, and to summarize the rest of the Red Wings forwards, what do we expect? Nothing. Luke Glendening, we know. Darren Helm, we know. Justin Abdelkader, we don't need to tell you. And Andilla Rose. These are all bottom six guys who get chances to slot higher and play more minutes than they would anywhere else. They're going to get crushed. Are we sure they're different players and it's not just one player going back and forth really fast five times? You think they're moving back and forth really fast, Brad? Five times. <laughs> Which player is moving back and forth really fast in the bottom six? They're the same player. <laughs> Adam Ernie, he might be fun. That's the one guy who I'm actually very excited about. Adam Ernie now has a chance. He's 24 years old. He's a solid defensive player as he's been in, in Tampa Bay. Eisenman knows him and thought this guy is worth an asset. It's a fourth-round pick. Um, he's coming in. I think he was fine offensively. I think he showed flashes of uh, good offensive production. He had a sick pass, no-look pass, for, like a behind-the-back no-look pass on the power play to it was uh, Hronik who stepped up and fired it in. I'm excited to see what Ernie can do with his expanded offensive role. If Ernie can be a solid defensive player who can contribute offensively, amazing. At the very least, they have a solid defensive player who's young and isn't, again, losing to father time. I'd rather have someone young and figure out what he is than someone who's old, like half of our forward core. And we already know what they are, and they're not going to be part of the future. So, I, what did you I, tweet the other day, Brad? Yeah. Good. So after Hosang and Sprong and all, and a few of those other guys cleared waivers, like I was upset Detroit didn't claim them, and the find out nobody claimed them just made me realize how out of date and stupid the NHL is. I can't wait for the day 
NHL teams play young players who might be bad versus playing old players we know are bad. I don't know when that will come, but we're going to be old and bad. <laughs> I, again, I understand there's a logjam at Ford, but unless unless Eiserman is just 120% against anything that resembles an attitude issue, there is no reason Daniel Sprong or Josh Hosang shouldn't be lining up on the Red Wings' third line to start this season. It was a zero-risk move. They could have just waived them if it didn't work out. It's. I'm not going to get into a huge tangent about it because I think anybody who's listened to this podcast long enough knows why. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm just saying. I. It's. We're. Uh, we're at the. We're one of those teams who should be taking swings at players. Yeah. Even Thomas Hickey. He's 30, but he's a good, serviceable top six defenseman. Like, why would and it, teams? You know, not... it's not even. Yeah, it's not even just us that it surprised me. It's. It's. How did Edmonton? Yeah. How did Edmonton not take a swing at? at I think Ho-Sang, both Hosang and Sprong. I think Hosang and uh, McDavid know each other and may have played with each other for a small. The Toronto of Marlies. Time. They yeah, they really should have. I so don't know. I just, I just, well, I mean, I saw who Ottawa or um, the Oilers GM is. So I he's, saw... he's the the standing president of the old boys club. What did he tell Connor McDavid the other day? Uh, oh, Alex Ovechkin waited 13 years for his Stanley Cup, and he was a first overall pick. Do you know how long it took Yikes. Alex Ovechkin to make the playoffs? <laughs> Eight uh, oh, did McDavid already looks like the Hound. Did, did Washington make the playoffs of Etchkin's first year? No, not the oh, first okay. year. They were tragically bad, but they were one of the best teams in the league by 07 08. Yeah. Hosang would have been easily on our third line. Per, maybe second. Maybe second. I Athanasiu is not there. Hosang is. And remember, we didn't we have a conversation about Athanasiu having a bad attitude at some point? Yeah. We t- maybe touched on it at some offseason. Well, he had that. No, he had that contract dispute, and a lot of it was attitude. Right. So, you know, at some. Hosang is not going to play in the NHL if he's in the Islanders organization. This was a zero-risk move that any GM who is in the bottom half of the league could have made pending cap issues. Um, So it's weird that we didn't. My favorite thing I saw was someone put a chart next to each other of all the wingers who were on waivers that day and the actual wingers for the Edmonton Oilers right now. And I... Someone did that a, was a toss up. Someone did like a an analytics chart and like the amount of the expected goals and wins above replacement that those wingers would bring up, and the top line that you make you can make with those people who are on waivers easily outpaced <laughs> what Edmonton had. Uh, considering if you had McDavid centering both of them. Uh, getting back to the Red Wings, the defense. Uh, DeKaiser Hironik is going to be the first pairing for Detroit most of the year, or at least. One of the top two pairings. And they will look like a legitimate top four defensive pairing, which is going to be the first time in a few years we've had one of those. Um, we keep saying this, but we keep meaning it. This is the most important year of Philip Peronik's career. He can take over as the Red Wings' best defenseman this year. He played at the World Championships, right? That's yes. Phenomenal World yeah, Championships. And led, led in defensive scoring and was named the defenseman of the tournament. That's good. Yeah, so as good of a tournament as Anthony Mansa had, Peronik's was better. Oh, yeah. So think about that. We, we forget about those stories. Like, we the season ended, it was doom and gloom, it was all dreary, and then Anthony Mantha and uh, Philip Ronick took over. But Philip Ronick was the true story. Um, DeKaiser took a year where he kind of corrected a lot of the errors that he was making. I wouldn't say he was phenomenal by any stretch of the imagination, but he got back to what was making him uh, a solid defenseman for Detroit, or what he should have been in the first place. 
that needs to keep happening for him, and he's going to have a quality partner now to, to help that happen. And he got better as the season went on, too, which was a positive sign. I think both of them took a, a step forward in their development or their careers last year, and I can't say that about any basically anybody else on the uh, back end you could you could make an argument for Cholosky considering he sure. wasn't he wasn't supposed to make that team yeah. last sure, year sure. so uh green nemeth is going to be essentially nemeth is coming in we know he's good defensively and he's coming in to basically cover green's deficiencies defensively because green is not getting any younger but he can still produce offensively and that i think is a perfect person to pair with mike green you're getting the most out of Mike Green while you have him, and Nemeth can come in and be a solid defensive defenseman that the Red Wings have not had in a decade. I don't hate our defense those that top four, but it's certainly not blowing anybody out my, of water. Mike Green, Patrick Nemeth, realistically, would be the bottom pairing on a good team. Yes. But at least they both belong in the NHL. So again, we're making strides. And they complement each other. Yeah, Mike, well, so. Mike Green did not look good in the preseason, but again, he didn't play a lot last year, so that's to be expected. So I'm trying to not overreact, but we need Mike Green to do very well this year because we need a big asset for him at the deadline, and that's just the cold, hard truth of it. What does the success look like for Dennis Cholosky this year? Stay in Detroit for 82 games. That's 100% the answer. Yeah, I don't even really care what his point production is as long nope. as he's getting NHL reps and you know playing a decent amount of minutes. That's yeah. good. Yeah, I, I want to say like 20 points in 82 games is a good season. That being said, uh, as it's scheduled right now, he's going to be the power play quarterback on the top unit. So if you're playing on that unit, I would expect more than 20 points this year. Um, again, not saying light the world on fire, go over half point per game. But yeah, I want to say 25 to 35 if he's, uh, as we talked about last episode or the episode before, if his job on the power play this year is just to team Mantha up for dingers. Yeah, it's... Like if he can do that and he can just work on different little fundamental things as he has been, that's fantastic. That's literally all you need. Um, the other two defensemen, Bowie and Erickson, make up the and rest. daily and daily. So they're those carrying three. eight. Yes, those uh, those make up the eight defensemen, um, and those three should just be a never-ending carousel of who's in the lineup. Yeah, it's I you you can be hopeful about Bowie. I know some people are. I'm not expecting a lot from him honestly um i think he is what he is if he can turn into a serviceable third liner i think that would be a huge success um, um the, the bowie versus erickson versus daily debate comes back to that quote i had a few minutes ago i can't wait for the day where teams start playing young players who might be bad versus players who are bad yeah <laughs> what we have to say about daily and erickson has been said and there's no point in keeping Keep bringing that up. Uh, Howard's obviously going to be a starter and Bernier the backup with uh, Pickard and Larson down in Grand Rapids. Okay, that's our Red Wings. Those are the 13 forwards, eight defensemen, two goalies that they are going to carry into the season in all likelihood. Now, let's do some predictions. Bad. We, we always <laughs> – oh, my God. A green check mark just showed up on my laptop. <laughs> He's right. I have to give you $20. No. Um, we always do this where we make predictions and it's too early to make these kind of predictions. So we're going to definitely do them anyways. The Red Wings, the entire Red Wings season, where do we think they are going to finish in terms of overall standings? Now, last year, they were third last in the conference with 74 points. And I think they were fifth last in the league, fifth la fourth last in the league. I think they finished second last in the conference, second last in the league, second last in the division. You think Ottawa is going to finish dead last Man, year? Man, Ottawa's Ottawa. <laughs> They'll give, Detroit will give Ottawa a run. I think LA might be surprising. I think LA might be surprising the other way. Not to make a run for the playoffs or anything, but they still have Doughty. They still have Kopitar. 
They got Jack Campbell might steal games for them. Yeah, they've they've got more reasons for optimism for the current season than we do. Long term, I still like Detroit set up better than LA's, but uh, Kopitar and Doughty is much greater than the center defense, top center, top defense Detroit. So you think second last in the league, second last in the conference, point total? Uh, what did they have last year? 74. 32 wins, 40 losses, 10 overtime losses. 72. Athens used number. Uh, I'm right there with Brad. Uh, I could see even Ottawa being better than us. And I hate to say that, but I think they might last a little bit longer with younger legs. Um, we are, there's, we're, someone's going to get hurt in the first game for sure. And I, <laughs> the injuries in the age of our team, I think Ottawa might be better than us over 82 games. Not if uh, oh. Brandstrom keeps getting kicked in the face. That was very terrifying. That was scary, yeah. Um, we also don't have a Thomas Shabbat. No. It's going to be a battle of the bottom with us in Ottawa. Uh, I'll say we finish like a point ahead of them. All right. Anyway. And that is going to be very low 70s points. It maybe even in the 60s. If Larkin gets hurt, it might be in the 50s. It, like I said, you know, it's it's tough. Our season, the point total hinges and our placement hinges on Larkin's health throughout the year. I'm I don't I I I feel bad saying this. I don't think I've ever actually predicted this before. I think Detroit finishes dead last. Is that a certainty? No. Ottawa could challenge. Buffalo could challenge. LA could challenge. Any one of those teams up there could challenge. How am I the most optimistic one here? And I said second last. I think Detroit finishes dead last, but I also think that this isn't one of those years where there's an Ottawa where someone is so aggressively dead last all year. I think things tighten up a bit. I think Detroit finishes dead last with 75 points. I think Ottawa is starting to get like a little... They have a chip on their shoulder for sure after finishing last. You can kind of feel like some swagger with Kachuk. And now they've got Shabbat locked in now. Like, Well, they have uh, Sabarine. Exactly. Yeah. He yeah. scored. Yeah. So Matthews heard his name. Yeah. So there's something about Ottawa that Detroit doesn't have. And Youth. <laughs> Thomas and, Shabbat. Brad just and, told you. Yeah, like I... I I think they may actually pass us. You want you want to know something horrifying that I don't think Red Wings fans realize, and it's a true testament to just how bad this team is and how bad the contract spots are. I don't know if you've got the roster in front of you. Look at how many Red Wings are playing this season under the age of 23 uh, on a uh, rebuild. Under 23 or 23 and under? Go 20. Let's go under 23. Uh, so that would be guys within four years of their draft. Two. Uh, well, no, Chase Pearson doesn't count. Two. That's not good. Yeah, that's and they're both on defense. Yes, it's Dennis Cholosky and Philip Ronick. Yeah, that's bad. That's really, really bad. That should never happen in a rebuild. And again, it here's here's the true testament to how bad of a position the organization is in right now. Not long term, right now. The Red Wings have two players in a massive rebuilding season under the age of 23 on the roster. And the way it all broke down, I agree with how they did that. Yeah, I mean... That's horrifying. They're literally, Max, they're doing the best that they can given the situation. Now, it's important to frame what Brad just said in a greater context. This was always going to be the situation for a long, long time. I think it could have been a lot worse. 
I think the organization has been moving in the right direction for the past eight or nine months. And I think if things are looking better, again, to quote a famous general manager, this is going to take time. Now, I want to keep going with our predictions. Very quickly, I want you to name one Red Wing who you think is going to get uh, fit the the bill for these next uh, categories. To give okay. You. Do you say it if it's Dylan Larkin? <laughs> you just, Do you still have to say it? You just go, yeah. Uh, most goals. Yeah. Yes. Oh, no. I Man- say Mantha. Sure. Wait, you say Mantha? Yeah. Mantha, Mantha, and we got a Larkin. I have a I, bias, though, because I have a my fantasy team. <laughs> I will, I, as big of a season as I think Mantha could have, until he learns to stop breaking his hand, I have trouble picking him. And I also do expect Larkin to take another step forward. They will be very close. I think they both finish in the mid-30s. Most assists. Yeah. 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 Larkin. <laughs> Three yachts. Uh Again, if you didn't hear it, when Brad's saying yeah, it means Larkin. Most penalty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who else takes penalties on the team. Nobody. <laughs> Patrick Nemeth. I yeah, that's got to be Larkin as well. Uh, best forward. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> best defenseman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I know it's it, these are all going to be consensus answers probably, but def- best defenseman I think will be Philip Peronik. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, best goaltender for the sake of it, Jimmy's. It's Jimmy, go. as long as yeah. Jimmy stays healthy. Best young player in that rookie or I would say player 23 and under. Dude, that gives us like two other players. 23 and under is literally two players. No, no, that's Larkin too. Best young player. Okay, so outs. RFA? So we're talking Taro Hirose, (laughs) Dennis Chalosky, (laughs) Philip Veronik. (laughs) That's not fair. I think it's going to be, it's going to be Philip Veronik. Yeah, I'll go with, I'll go with Veronik as well. I I don't think it's going to be that huge of a difference. I I do expect pretty solid seasons from Hirose or Chalosky and Chalosky. Best veteran. I want age 30 or older. Um, Jesus. Okay, hold on. I have my pick, but I have to make sure he meets the age requirement. Who, Danny Kaiser is 29 right now. Shit. <laughs> He's 29 right now. That, is he going to be 30 at any point during the season? Because DeKaiser is my pick. Uh, March. So, yeah. Yep. I'm counting it. I'm going Mike Green. If DeKaiser counts, I'm going DeKaiser. Oh, man. This is a sad. You know what? No. Yeah. I'll go DeKaiser. Um, surprise performance. Which player is going to do the best? Like, they're going to overachieve. They're going to have a much better season than we anticipated. I'm going to circle back to Danny DeKaiser. I'm going to say Adam Ernie. I think he does take a big step forward in terms of offensive production. He ends up being a very good third-line player. I'll say Justin Applicator. You're such a... <laughs> That's nice. What, what, like, I would be I happy if he gets 20 points. I don't know in so. what world he will, but I would be very happy if he did. Uh, let down player. What player is going to underachieve and not reach expectations? Justin Applegator. <laughs> no, no, no. Because his, his expectations are through the floor. You can We can pin a lot on him, but Oh, not. man. Well, there's only like realistically seven or eight players who we could even put in this classification. That, who do we're, we have we're, expectations we're, for? We're, there's like three defensemen and five forwards that we have any expectations for, right? So it's got to be Valtteri Filippula, right? I have no expectations for him. He had he's like seven. Playing, he's playing second line center. There's got to be some expectations. He might play second line center. And he had a high PDO season last year at 17 goals. We can't expect a lot from him. Okay. You know what? I'm going to step away from him. Mike Green. I was going Mike Green. Yeah. I'll say Tyler Bertuzzi. Ooh. I, he was, I was on the fence for Bertuzzi. Not that... I think Bertuzzi is going to do worse than last year because I think a majority of the fan base expects him to 
progress, but I think he is what he is, which is still way better than what. Uh, yeah, he's a he's a fifty ish point player, and that's fine. But I don't expect any progression from last year. I think that's who he is, and if I'm wrong, that's a massive win for the Red. How many points did he have last year? Fifty. Uh, Just a hair under, I think. Yeah, I'll and- say he's a forty point guy because I think teams are. You know, let's be honest. How much prep do you think most teams do for the Red Wings? They weren't game planning for him. Yeah, he finished with forty-seven points. He's gonna get a there. He's gonna get a little bit more eyes, and he's gonna play a, against a little bit tougher opponents. Uh, and I don't you know. know I don't think he's gonna repeat it. Now, I'm this, still my green is still my answer. I want you guys to remember that I'm putting these out there for the listeners. I'm putting these out there not as like we're predicting these to happen. Just if you had to pick based on these categories, so don't. Go and start. You Listen, know, there's saying, like six people I have expectations for. <laughs> a comeback player, a player whose career has taken a dive or maybe gone under. This who one you could think, be hotly contested. <laughs> who you think could be poised to come back and do something uh, more effective than what we anticipated. Justin Avocator. Okay, I'm going to go a weird direction here. Jonathan Bernier. Okay. Ah, I like that answer. He'll get the weaker teams. Jimmy's going to carry the heavy load. I will, I think Bernier, if he plays well to start, will get more games this year. Weaker than who? Well, Bernier's going to get the... Ottawa? Yeah, he'll get Ottawa. He'll get Buffalo. Jimmy will get Toronto, Tampa. So I think if he gets to a strong start, it could be a pretty close to like a, a 45-35 type split between the games. And I, I'm not saying he's going to put up a 9-15 because I don't think that's capable with this defense, but I think he could put up a very respectable season. Um, A real answer from me, I will say, I'm trying to think of someone who I have literally negative expectations for. I have my answer. Okay, you go. I don't, I wouldn't put money on this. But if there's one guy who I think can squeeze a little bit more, get a little bit more out of the tank, is Trevor Daly. That was going to be mine. He does. Uh, he doesn't. He's not going to be able to play the same game he used to. But he's smart enough to know what to do on the ice, and I think he's just lost that. He's been. He's trying to do stuff that he maybe was able to do when he was younger, a little bit more able. But he's a smart enough guy. Get those fundamentals back. Work on his positioning. When Moritz Sider was playing with him, Moritz Sider's positioning was bad because he couldn't figure out what Trevor Daly was doing. He just needs to work on. Being passable and not dragging down his line mates in the play around him. And I think he can. I wouldn't bet on it, but I think he can. So that's if I had to pick. Uh, all right. For, or first forward call up. Uh, I'm going to put an asterisk between this because I'm going to cop out. So we're going to assume this would be because of injury. Injury. Bottom six forward, Dominic Turgeon. Top six forward, Michael Rasmussen. There's like 10 bottom six forwards. <laughs> I think maybe Svechnikov gets a sniff a little bit sooner. Oh, yeah. You know what? That's a, I think Svechnikov, it depends also um, on his recovery. He's still coming back from his ACL tear. Um, he still was dealing with a little bit of swelling. And obviously, ACL reconstruction is a long, arduous recovery. It's painful. And he, he didn't even enter the final stage of it until he started playing preseason hockey. So... Give him about, I don't know, a month, month or two to kind of normalize, reset, get his lungs, get his feet back under him. And then, yeah, I would say that's a good I think answer. Rasmussen is the top six guy when you think Svechnikov is not ready yet. But I think once they determine that he is, he'll be the call up because I think they really need to figure out what they have with him still. And with Rasmussen, but I think Svechnikov could have a bigger impact if he is 
turns out to be something. The circus is back. Yeah, the circus is back. The earthquake's upstairs. For you listeners, enjoy this while it lasts. Only a couple more months of this left <laughs> before we move to the studio. Um, oh, man, they are going. Uh, I'm going to go Philip Zadina here with full knowledge of the fact that if Philip Zadina is absolutely clicking with Joe Valeno down in Grand Rapids, they're probably going to be a little bit hesitant to move if him. If they're lighting it up, I would prefer if they didn't call him up at all this year. Oh, Really? I think Vil- I think Vil- Philip Zadina needs 40 NHL games this year. Really? Yes. I would prefer, th- if he's hot, keep him hot as long as possible. If there's a sniff of a cold streak, then play him X number of games, depending on injury. But I would prefer, he's, he's, a, he's a mental midget. Um, and if he's lighting the AHL up, keep him up. Or keep him there. Okay, first defensive call-up. I'm going to qualify this after I state it, okay? Mort Sider. Now, because the Red Wings are carrying eight defensemen right now, I think if there's a defensive injury that requires a call-up, I think they call up forward after that defensive injury. Okay, so like if, let's say, hypothetically, Daly gets injured, I could see a Terjean going up because they're going to want to get the defenseman the reps. But if there's defensive injuries to the point they actually have to call a defenseman up to play, Mort Sider. Brian Lashoff, come on down. I'll be so sad. I think Moritz Sider definitely will get a call up this year. I think he's done enough to demonstrate that. Um, he's such a – he's just did everything right to the point where you're like, this guy's going to see NHL games. Whether it's nine – it depends on the path they want to go. They can play him nine to slide his ELC or they can go in the other direction, which is becoming more popular with the shift in how RFA contracts have been signed, which is they can get more than nine burn that first year of his ELC and get him to his first RFA contract sooner. Um, it depends on which path they want to take. It's really hard to read how the Detroit Red Wings of old versus the Detroit Red Wings of new are going to operate, especially with Steve Eisman being so ironclad. But I think you're right, Brad, in that more outsider will definitely see games. It'd be yeah. good to see where he's at yeah. after nine games. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, if not him, it'll be probably Joe Hicketts. Yeah. If it, I think the first one will be Joe Hicketts. I think they're going to give Cider a little bit more time. I think you'd have to wait till 2020 to see Cider, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if it's a little bit before that. Okay, you get one hot take. One. You're like, sp- hot take. Piping not- hot. Don't say the craziest thing you can think of. I want you to believe that it could happen. Oh, God. But I want one hot take. Oh, boy. Do you guys want me to go first? Yeah, because I got to think about this. My hot take this year, Anthony Mantha scores 45 goals. Oh, boy. That's hot. That's hot. That's real hot. That puts him in like the upper elite of the NHL. That's a top five goal scorer in the NHL. Anthony Mantha's shot is and finish and ability to release the puck quickly and accurately at a disgusting pace is elite and i think he can put up 45 i don't again it's my hot take that is hot god now i don't even know you set the table now yours is too mild yours Uh, is like a jalapeno mine is a habanero okay i've got a i've got a good one this is going to be kind of a combined hot take because it requires two players and it can go a couple ways philip peronic and dennis chaloski combined for 100 points Whoa! 55 45 on the peep on the p 
PPPK. Hot take. Whoa, that is a hot take. That's hotter than mine, Brad. So some kind of split like that, because if they're literally quarterbacking the two power play units, I could see it happen. And if we're being honest, Mike Green's health doesn't hold up. These are our only two offensive options from the back end. Evan. Oh, got God. Two... How do I follow this? Good. It's hot takes, it's Evan. Hot it's meant take. to be dumb. Um, do I actually think that's going to happen? No, but could it? Yeah, I could see a world. Justin Applicator scores 20 goals. What? Listen, shut up. Everybody <laughs> shut up. How did I just predict that not Justin Applicator one? parks his ass in front of the net on the power play and is a reborn hockey god out of nowhere. Philip Ronick uses him as a backboard, so we're both right. Yeah, he is. He is putting <laughs> on. Looking at you right he now. He is putting on the most dense material he can in the front half of his body because he is just going to create havoc on the power play. And Jeff Blashill loves that, and he loves Justin Applicator, and he gets twenty goals, being a bang bang player. Those takes were progressively spicy we're gonna need to step away we're gonna try i hate myself for saying that by the way let's let's add that we're gonna transition into an interview uh that we recorded on sunday night so that was a few nights ago four nights ago uh with uh it was another red wings roundtable with max baltman and prashanth Iyer. so uh stay tuned and hope you enjoy that we'll be back soon and welcome to another version of the winged wheel podcast roundtable uh, featuring Max Boltman and Prashanth Iyer. Guys, thank you so much for joining us again today. How are you? Doing pretty well. Very good, very good. How are you guys? Oh, not bad. It's uh, We're recording this uh, earlier um, than the episode's dropping, so it's currently Sunday right now, so we just had a healthy discussion on the uh, ins and outs on the heartbreak in the NFL. Me with the Lions, Brad with the Bills... Prashanth, you subjected yourself to the Bills game being a Lions fan, so you got kind of best of both worlds there. Oh, yeah, it was great. I don't know why you do that to yourself. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so when we planned this, we were uh, kind of wondering whether or not we'd have enough to talk about because pretty much the Red Wings were still carrying like 45 players. uh, And then an hour after we finalized the time, everything happened. So this is good timing. Um, The Detroit Red Wings season preview starts with the young players. Um, so long story short, pretty much everybody who's not Taro Hirose, uh has been um, either waived or assigned to the Grand Rapids. And Dennis Chalowski. Oh, yeah. Dennis, see, the thing is, I count him as I, I always knew he would be a roster player coming into the season. I didn't th- think there would be a world where he'd be in the A. Sure. No, even though we talked at length about all summer about how he might go to the A. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would have been disappointing if he did. Actually, you know what, Max, you get your moment here because you wrote the article before uh, it was confirmed that Chalosky would make the team. I think I, uh, I, I think I have earned a victory lap, but I'm going to pass it up. <laughs> <laughs> How disgustingly honorable. Grow up. <laughs> I don't think if I say I earned it, I think that disqualifies any honor from it. <laughs> uh so if you're not if you're not Chalosky or Hiroshi, you're in Grand Rapids. Um and that ruffled some feathers, but I think a lot of the people uh around the league and especially within Red Wings fandom are pretty understanding. Uh so maybe we'll dive in first with the biggest talking point, which is Philip Zadina. Um a lot of people, us included, thought it was maybe more likely than not, or at least a fifty fifty chance that he would make the team, and that success for Philip Zadina this year. Uh, meant that he was on the roster 
uh, most of the year and producing at some kind of tangible rate. So what does it mean for him that he's starting out in Grand Rapids and, and how does that affect his trajectory in the NHL? Well, I think first and foremost, like after watching the preseason, it, it was the only call, right? Like, I don't think you can put a guy in the NHL who's who, who looked as um, I, I don't want to chalk everything up to like confidence or luck, because I think there's still things about his game he can improve. But but I, I don't know how you can watch his preseason and not think that there's something really lacking in confidence, understandably, with how many rough balances he got. And I just I think putting him in the NHL right away would have been asking for asking for trouble. So I, I don't think it means anything disastrous long term. I think maybe you could point to um sort of a, a little bit of a pattern emerging in terms of when the moments there he hasn't seized it but I, I still think he's a 19 year old kid who who it's going to come for him you know he's you know, there's a few pretty notable things in his game that he can tweak that he needs to get a little faster a little stronger um and and, and certainly be able to to get those chances closer to the net but other than that i, I think you'd have a pretty hard time finding a, a, a true reason to panic other than kind of hypothesizing at narratives at this point yeah i i totally agree i think it's probably a little overstated um how impactful it is really for him to go down for the second year in a row but i mean the fact of the matter is he didn't have a great preseason um once again last year he had a really tough preseason this year again not really much better um he did get to spend a fair amount of time with joe valeno i think almost a third of his minutes in the preseason uh, at five on five were with Valeno. He still didn't have the opportunity to create. It looks like he's still, you know, dating all the way back to the training camp scrimmages, just squeezing his stick a little too much. He's kind of pressing a little bit, make, trying to make plays when there's maybe not a play there to be made. And honestly, it reminds me a little bit of when Larkin first came in. The only difference being that Larkin had that speed. And so he would try to force the play. He tried to do what he wanted to do. At, with Larkin, at least he could get to the corner. He could get into the offensive zone. But not much was going to happen at that point. He was shooting the puck from the goal line. And so it's things like that where I think Zadina needs to still get a little bit more comfortable with the pace of the game, learning how to slow down the game to what he wants to do, which is what I think the really elite players do is get the pace of play to be what they want as opposed to speeding things up. Um, and so I think really on a stacked Grand Rapids team, it's a, it's actually a good idea for him to head down at least for a little bit to to play with some of those guys and maybe work on his game a little bit more. And I'd really like Ryan and Brad's opinion on this point, but I, I've made it a couple of times and I, you know, I just want to make sure I'm not crazy on this. I think he's looked noticeably better at a couple of important things from last preseason. And those things are when he does get the puck, yeah, maybe he can't, you know, sprint through and get to the corner or the net, but I think he's done a really good job delaying and stalling to put himself in position to make a pass and, you know, maybe not always been with guys who are ready to receive that pass or against opponents who he can do that on. I, I think he saw a lot of time against other teams, um, some of the other team's best players, which has to be a factor here. But I really think he's done a lot better job being patient and, and making the play uh, with creating his own space uh, than he did last, last uh, preseason. Um, it's, I'm happy you pointed that out because, uh, we, when we were talking about him on our last episode, one of the points I went out of my way to make was that I did notice he was slowing the play down, but in a lot of instances where his flaw on that was, was he was slowing it down to try and make too perfect of a play and he would overthink it, double clutch it, run out of time rather than just making the simple pass or the simple outlet that was there. So he's got the confidence to try to make that perfect play, but he's almost overthinking it, pushing too hard. So 
His problem last season in his nine-game call-up was he would get the puck, skate a million miles an hour, go right into traffic. He was overthinking it that way. Now he's overcorrected to the opposite. So he's got to find that sweet spot in the middle. Yep, and, and that's a balance, no doubt. As much as I hate vague hockey talk, I can't help but think that with everything that he's doing right, he just needs one to go in. He's gripping his stick too tightly. He's, he's overthinking it. It just applies so broadly here. Uh, and it's the preseason. It's a prospect tournament. It's not anything like you guys mentioned to to be you know sounding the alarms over but you you think a break or two that would have gone his way one less post or one less you know amazing glove save and it would have made a big difference or maybe a shootout goal <laughs> did you guys read um our our winnipeg writer marat he he did an awesome story with uh with paul maurice or he interviewed paul maurice for it and one of the points paul maurice made was about the kinds of players that can tend to struggle more than is realistic or look a lot better than is realistic in the preseason and i think the point was energy guys can kind of fool you a little bit because they can be a little more impactful because they're that's that's their game when there's chaos they're thriving whereas the guys who despite being good players tend to struggle and that doesn't mean every player of this type will struggle but the guys who do tend to struggle despite being good players are those hockey iq vision types and to me like that's Sedina's bread and butter. There's skill there for sure, but but how is how is uh, how is this happening to him in the preseason? Part of it is his own fault, no doubt. But I would argue that part of it is about how unstructured preseason hockey is, and and he goes places expecting to get the puck where he's not getting it, or he puts the puck places where he's expecting guys to be and they're not there. And I'm not trying to make excuses at all, but I was when I read that quote, he was the first person I thought of. It's like playing chess against someone who doesn't know how to play chess, right? Like it's just so wild and unpredictable. And I don't mean to like put down his teammates and say they don't know how to play <laughs> play hockey, but you know what I mean. Like I just think w- when you're expecting something as a structure that's not there, like uh, that makes sense to me. I'm not saying that's definitely what's happened, but I when I when I read the story, that's what I thought of. Now talking about teammates, uh, Joe Valena was someone who uh, was outstanding for the Red Wings last preseason. Uh, this year, he obviously had an amazing prospect tournament, uh, looked good in camp, and was. Um, you know, still carried that forward in the preseason, although maybe not as uh, immensely. Um, what does this year look like for him in the AHL? And then I guess more importantly, is this a time for him to be paired directly with Zadina as his centerman, or are we going to see them separately more often than not? Yeah, I mean, this is a, yeah, sure thing. Um, this is a really interesting question because, I mean, they, they did get to play a fair bit of, together like i mentioned uh, in the preseason just taking a quick peek from uh natural stat trick i think they had valeno and zadina playing together about 26 minutes uh, at five on five in the five games that they played together um, which was about you know one third of zadina's total ice time and so when you're talking about valeno i think he showed flashes of that game breaking skill like you know when he generated the breakaway chance against pitts where pittsburgh i thought that was a really nice play that he made um, and a little bit of skill getting around the defenseman there. I think it's clear that he's got some of the pieces, but it's important to remember this guy was in juniors last year. Um, and this is his first real season in a professional league. Um, so I do think the AHL is going to be an important transition period for him. As far as playing with skilled players, he seems to be um, a guy that does enjoy having that skill on his on his wing and having basically the ability to fly up and down the ice. I mean, he's such a smooth skater. Um, Zadina was able to fly with him. I thought that was really nice. But I think when it comes to pairing them in Grand Rapids, I think that's a really interesting idea because 
of how stacked Grand Rapids is. Um, Grand Rapids could effectively roll three scoring lines full of prospects that have a legitimate chance at the NHL. If you're talking about a line that's centered by Valeno, a line that's centered by Rasmussen, a line that's centered by, you know, Turgeon, those are three guys that have, you know, all played in the, or all will play or have played in the NHL with Turgeon and um, um, Rasmussen getting some time in the NHL last year. And so it's conceivable that you could move Zadina up or down there and same thing with Valeno. I don't know that necessarily the two of them have to play together off the bat, um, given that one, they didn't look that great together uh, by stats uh, in the preseason. But and then the other option being that you have the ability to just kind of roll those three scoring lines. So I think off the bat, I would actually probably pair Zadina with Turgeon, get him used to a guy who's going to slow down the pace a little bit. So he's not getting so ahead of himself and maybe let Valeno play with like a Giovanni Smith and a, you know, maybe like a Matt Pumple or somebody like that on his wing, just to be really interesting scoring threats for Valeno. So I don't think they have to play together. And I don't think it's a problem if they don't. Yeah, I'm in agreement on that. I, I think I would say it's kind of a coin flip. Like I could see the argument for it in terms of, you know, Ben Simon, who's the Griffins coach, coached him at the prospect tournament, played him together a decent amount there. Although notably, um, at the end of that tournament, he did split him up a little bit. Um, so I, I could see him wanting to go back to them. But I also think, especially in the AHL, a lot of this comes down to what the organization has kind of decided is going to be their philosophy uh, for that year. Are they going to be a team that's win at all costs? And historically, that has absolutely been the Red Wings and Griffin's M.O. Or are they going to be a development above all? And, uh, you know, I think that they're – there is some confusion, not development above all, prospect ice time above all, because I think both of them are de- are their own de- developmental philosophies. One is earn your ice time, because if you don't earn it, you're going to take it for granted and you're going to m- make mistakes. And I think there's merit to that. But there also needs to be a little bit of balance where, hey, you don't want your first round pick ever playing less than 12 minutes in a game, right? Like that's why they're there. So my pick or my prediction i think is that they will they will continue to try to to win these games and putting two 19 or 19 year olds on a line especially if you want that to be a top line um not always a recipe for success like defensively um i think both those players can be good defensively but it wouldn't surprise me to see them split up a decent amount um i don't have any inside intel to that to that uh to that end, but like like Prashant said, I think Zadina could reasonably play with any of those three centers, Valeno, Turgeon, or Rasmussen, uh, and there would be an argument for it. I'd, I'd rather see him, I think, with with Turgeon than with uh, Valeno because I think they're going to want to groom Rasmussen as that kind of defense-first center, but, uh, but we'll see how it plays out. So I'll take the opposite end of the spectrum here. I think Zadina and Valeno should play together, but... When you're coming from the background as to whether or not they they truly should, it depends on the context in which player we're talking about. Valeno's a very versatile player, and I think he can do pretty well up or down the lineup, so I don't think it's as big of an issue for him. But with Zadina specifically, I, I think I was reading an article a while ago. Uh, they were ta- Someone was talking to Steven Stamkos, and one of the pieces of advice Stamkos was given very early in his career was practice your strengths. 90% of the time and work on your weaknesses 10% of the time. Make what makes you great on another level. So in order for Zadina 
to do that in Grand Rapids. He needs to be with someone who's going to efficiently get him the puck. I am aware that the defensive side of the game may lack here, but again, this is what the AHL sports, a developmental league for the big club. So if Zadina's offense is improving exponentially, even though there may be, you know, he might have two goals on a night and still be a dash one, I think that's a trade-off you the organization has to be willing to make at this point just because of who he is as a player. Plus, given the fact that they played, like Prashanth said, a third of the preseason together, they played the entire Traverse City tournament together. It looks like they're trying to build some chemistry. And in Detroit, Detroit is in a unique position here where five of their six last first round picks are all going to be on the same AHL team at the same time to develop chemistry now that should hopefully carry over into the NHL because I don't remember a scenario where two superstars or potential stars for a team played together in the AHL, went up to the NHL, and then continued to play together. Detroit's in a unique position to at least give that a shot to see how that pans out. And given the skill sets on both of them, I think it makes a lot of sense how well they complement each other. Yeah, I think the the – what has become the assumption that they'll play together is really, and I, I, I think that you said it perfectly, Brad, with with that Samco's point. Like, it, it's based on the idea that the top, the, the two centers in the top six are Valeno and Rasmussen. I, I don't think that's the case. I think that Turgeon will be centering one of those top six lines. I don't know which of the other two it will be, but uh, he's been there for a long time. He's trusted. He puts, he's put up. You know, he could, he could play uh, in both zones in the American League for sure. So I, I just would pump the brakes on the idea that both of the centers for the both of the top six centers for the Griffins are going to be 20 or younger you know that that's where I would uh that's where I would say the the misread is coming oh I'm not yeah I have no intel as whether or not they will be <laughs> my opinion is they should be but I also yeah. have the opinion that Michael Rasmussen should be a winger so <laughs> <laughs> I think that leads well into the next point uh Michael Rasmussen um you know had a, a better preseason than I think uh, some were expecting, but also this is an interesting year for him because this is the first year where he actually gets to play maybe at the level he should be playing because of those weird CHL transfer rules. Um, he's a hard prospect to get a read on because I don't think he's exactly what the Red Wings would have wanted or would have been the ideal pick when they selected him at number nine. But at the same time, I think it's also too early to call him, you know, definitely not a center or definitely a bust. But uh, what does this year look like for him in terms of maybe trying him out at center still or uh, committing to the transition to the wing. Yeah, I think pretty clearly they stated they're they're going to run him as a center, and so I think they're going to give him every opportunity to uh, make mistakes in the position, and that may play into a little bit of what Max was saying, where don't expect both of Valeno and Rasmussen to be your top two centers. Maybe they do groom Rasmussen in that third-line role, um, and maybe let him try and play center there and maybe learn the defensive game a little bit more. And I think we have to remember Grant Rapins is returning a lot of great wingers that he can still play with. I mean, you know, guys down there like Matt Ford, uh, Pumple, Elson, Terry, there's a lot of guys there that are maybe some veterans that they could stick on his wing and let him play in that third line role while you have guys like Svechnikov and Smith in the top end. So I, I do think they're going to give him every opportunity and like I said, just because he's the third line center there doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. Like third line AHL center is not a bad thing on this particular Grand Rapids team. But I think they're going to give him every opportunity to learn the position. Um, and I don't know that, like you said, I don't think it's 
or I think it's too early to call him a bust in that sense, but the clock is certainly ticking on him. We usually expect a first round uh, forward to make the league by about their third season. And so this is kind of where we're at. And by make the league, I'm talking about 40 games played. So um, this is kind of the uh, mark, I think, for him where we, we're going to need to see some real growth this year. Otherwise, I do think you're running into a potentially bad bust pick from from that uh, draft. Worth noting, he did play 40 games last year. Right. Uh, out of necessity, right? So Because yeah. he was either that or he's going back um, – to the CHL. And so I think that was kind of more out of necessity. And I don't think his play necessarily reflected him deserving 40 games, if you will. Yeah, no, yeah. that's fair. I, uh, I'll also add, uh, sorry, I'm not going to harp on this Adina thing forever, but, uh, <laughs> the, I was in Grand Rapids a lot last year. No doubt the best games I saw him play were between, were, were alongside Wade Megan opposite Martin Furk. And Megan's that two way center type. So just, just putting that out there too, that Zadina does not always need to play with like a, a playmake only kind of player to, to have success there. Uh, moving on to Rasmussen though, like the Red Wings have said, Jordan Stahl is the guy they want him to model this game after Jordan Stahl obviously was a beast in the NHL at 18 right away. So I think, yes, I think we can all acknowledge that's lofty, right? But with this in the, in the style that they're talking about grooming him, you're talking about a guy that gets Selkie votes every year. So I, I think if that's the player they're telling us they want him to model after, you got to expect him to, to follow that track in, in his development. And I think that means, Playing that defense type role, it wouldn't stun me if they put him with a Svechnikov type because his other real great trait is being around the net, and you got to have to have shooters there to put the puck around the net for him. But I would expect that to be how they they want to groom him as a guy who's going to be a shutdown line. I think I think they're going to want to put him against the other team's very best players in the AHL. If I had to guess, uh, and they're going to want him to to do all the things that accompany that. So that that would be my guess for Rasmussen's usage this year. So what you're saying is Rasmussen is eventually going to be captain then. <laughs> of the Carolina Hurricanes. <laughs> of the yeah. Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm glad that you pointed out the whole, you know, where he could be useful, especially considering his pretty niche talents, one of them being that net front. That's something that he did continue to work on and that he obviously displayed uh, aptitude in, in the preseason. Something that I was hoping he'd be a little bit better with, uh, so he'll have to focus on in the AHL, is his strength, especially uh, on the puck. He gets pushed off a little bit too easily for a guy that size. Um, so that would be my biggest point uh to to focus on for Rasmussen as he goes through the A. Um you mentioned Svechnikov and I think that was another one uh, that's a notable topic um especially considering we haven't seen him play any kind of meaningful hockey for a calendar year. Uh he obviously would have liked to have made the team right out, right off the bat, but how did his preseason look to you guys? Um and do you think how do you think he uh kind of projects onto this roster in the future if at all? Yeah, I think the goal was definitely a probably a big weight off of his shoulders but i mean honestly the if i had to use one adjective really to describe him in the preseason it's invisible i don't know that i really picked him up on the ice a whole lot he only managed eight shot attempts at five on five in four games that he played um didn't really seem to i guess drive a lot of play um, relative to some of his other teammates. But that being said, I thought his last preseason game was his best preseason game. And so potentially if he had the opportunity to get a couple more games in after getting that goal, he might have looked a little bit better. And we do have to remember he's coming back from a pretty serious injury. So I'm not putting a lot of stock in how he looked in his first couple of games of professional hockey after an entire year off. I'm not putting a lot of weight into that, but I do think he's probably better served getting his legs back under him, getting the field and game feel the pace of play, 
um, play with the puck a little bit more and probably play at a little bit higher skill level down in the AHL for a little bit um, before he gets another crack. I don't think it's, I don't think you can write him off the team just yet. But again, like I was mentioning with that prospect time clock, his time is certainly ticking before he's getting passed up by the next generation of players that the Wings are bringing in. Yeah, so my uh, my bold predictions or whatever column for this year will have come out by the time this airs, and one of them is going to be that Sveshnikov will play at least 30 NHL games this year. I I, I definitely understand the uh, sort of didn't notice him as much, but especially late in the preseason, I thought he played a pretty good 200 foot game at the at the minimum. Like I thought he back checked pretty well. I thought he was noticeable in the offensive zone behind the net, which I, I know everybody wants the Red Wings to utilize that space better this year. And I think he was one of the best at doing it. He had him and Caskey had the tic-tac-toe uh, pass where they eventually set up Giovanni Smith uh, right in front of the net in the slot. That, that's a perfect example of it. I, I think Sveshnikov, they're going to long play him because they really want to make sure he's comfortable before they try him in the NHL. I thought he showed me enough to think that he will get a call up in the new year. Like I think I'm going to predict it. So um, I put it in print. I'll say it here. I, th- I think he'll get some some real time in the NHL this year. I, you know, I'm not expecting a whole lot in the long term or anything. I think he probably is a third liner. But if a third line power forward with a little bit of scoring touch, uh, there's always a place for that guy on your roster. Now, talking about how these guys are going to come up throughout the year, I think a lot of that has to do with as the season wears on and they see opportunity to maybe give these guys auditions, but also uh, there's going to be injuries, and, and that kind of segues into the main Red Wings roster. Um, putting it candidly here, it's nothing sexy. It's not <laughs> earth-shattering. It's more or less the same roster they had last year with a couple other uh, pretty gray additions or substitutions. Um you know, very quick answers here because I don't think I can ask for much else. What are we expecting for the Red Wings this year in terms of how they're going to place? Near the yeah. bottom. Um, I think, you know, I, I think they're going to score even less than they did last year. I just don't see much secondary scoring after that top line in Athens CU. And I, you know, they're going to they're going to have to carve out a, a defense first identity. And, you know, maybe they have the pieces to do that enough to play tight games. But I there, there's so many teams that finished near the bottom of the standings last year, right right alongside them, did a lot more to get better. I don't think they did that much to get better. So it's all going to have to be driven by really that top line and a couple of, of young defensemen and FNSU. And I just that's not a recipe for for breaking your breaking out of your your lot in life if you're the Red Wings. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as Max. I I told you guys before we started here that I think the Wings are one of the three worst teams this year. I think they are going to be a little bit worse than last year just because a lot of the teams in the East did a lot to get better. You know, New Jersey made moves um, and they were a team that finished worse than Detroit last year. You know, we saw what Carolina did. I mean, there's a there's a lot of other teams that were towards the uh, middle of the Eastern Conference or at the bottom of the Eastern Conference that got a lot better. And I just think it further buries Detroit. I think it'll be a lot of Detroit and Ottawa down in the cellar, potentially Buffalo, depending on how their season shakes out. But my expectation would be they finish with the third worst record. Do you guys think more Sider sees any games this year? Ooh, I'll say no, but tentatively, he looks he looks pretty advanced for his age. I just think, I just think no. I don't know. It's a gut feel. I could. It's a coin flip, probably. 
Yeah, I mean, I think Sider, you can make the argument that he was the best defenseman that Detroit trotted out um, in the preseason. I thought he looked very poised with the puck. Really, the only games where he struggled were games where he had Trevor Daly anchored to him. Outside of those games, he did really, really well. So I think if he hits the AHL and he gets paired, you know, with a Kasky or a you know, Hicketts or one of the other puck moving guys like Sari Yarvi down there. And he has a really standout first half of the season. You're going to be, you're going to have a tough decision because a lot of times the thought is, well, slide their entry level contract, um, maximize, kind of push that, push it down the road when you have to pay them. I'm kind of leaning more and more towards what Carolina has been doing. And if they're showing that they're competent and they're showing that they're going to be an NHL player, bring him up, burn the year, and get him to restricted free agency sooner. So I think if he has a really solid first half in Grand Rapids, you bring him up and you let him get the back half of the year in Detroit, burn that first year and get him another year closer to the restricted free agency period where you might have a better shot at bridging him longer. Yeah, that's that just swayed me because you look at Carolina's D and their especially their cap structure, and you're like, how the hell do they have Brett Pesci and Jacob Slavin on these deals? And that's the answer, right? They pushed that's them up the and answer, they negotiated yeah. with them before everyone in the league knew they were elite. And so, I, yeah, that's that's a great point, Prashanth. Everything circles back to Carolina. I just love loving those guys. They've run that team so well. <laughs> And it's such a neutral team to cheer for that's not Detroit because it has such little bearing on the Red Wings and their <laughs> rivalries. No, uh, Prashanth, I'm glad you mentioned that about um, Sider, especially times where he looked bad in the preseason or a little off. He was kind of anchored to guys where he was trying, like he was trying to work with Daly's positioning, and you could tell he was just doing his best. But Daly wasn't where he needed to be, and uh, you could see him try to con- like compute that in his head in real time, and it was just difficult. But no, he he's taken the 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 team by storm he surprised everyone i think a few months ago all of us like we were all saying he's likely going back to germany and now it was a certainty that he's going to the ahl so i wouldn't you know put any money on it but at the same time if he continues in the same way i could definitely see him stepping in for the second half or if injury uh you know makes it necessary as well he did have some pretty rough turnovers behind the net though especially toward the end of the preseason like that's to me the, the number one area is he was way too lax trying to push the puck up the boards to to his wingers like i think at least two of them turned into goals so that's the big area for cider and i don't think you can put those on daily no 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 and those weren't on daily i was more talking positionally those uh, defensive lapses were just like such prototypical rookie mistakes i'd be kind of yeah. concerned if he didn't have those yeah um I want to talk about Jeff Blashill and not just to bash him, but this is a a funny year for him because he basically has a renewed vote of confidence with the new GM coming in. Steve Eisenman obviously has a very good, uh, you know, thinks very highly of him. He came in and said, I'm not entirely familiar with this team. Uh, I have nothing but respect for Jeff Blashill and he has a pedigree for success. Uh, And this enters another year where Jeff Blashill doesn't exactly have a lot to work with to find that success. Uh, what does he need to do, either maintain or change, to kind of give himself the best bet to be the Red Wings coach coming out of this rebuild? Yeah, I think that's a really great question because, like Max and I both just said, uh, they're going to be one of the worst teams. And so you can't just say, all right, let's look at their position and do they overachieve, do they underachieve? They're, the talent level on that team, unfortunately, is one of the five worst teams in the NHL. And so I think what you're looking for is a little bit of what you saw last year with 
the guys that are going to be a part of the core, are they taking steps in the right direction? You had a great year with Dylan Larkin. He really made that leap. I don't, you know, if we throw this all the way back to the summer before last season, there's actually a handful of people, including myself, questioning, did we give Dylan Larkin too much money? Uh, and now you look at the season that he had and you're like, wow, that's actually a really stupid take. And I should, I wish I could take that back because Larkin had an amazing year. You know, Athens, you hit the 30 goal mark. You had Mantha who had 25 goals and probably would have hit the 30 goal mark if he didn't break his hand. And, uh, so you have the guys who are a part of the core actually take big steps forward and have great years. So I think if you see a similar development, you have another step forward for Larkin, another step forward for, you know, Athanasiu, another step with Mantha, with Ronick, potentially Chalowski, and then potentially Sider, Zadina, Valeno, depending on if they get any time at all. Um, that's That should be your barometer. Are those guys that are part of the core doing the right thing? And I can kind of ignore the fact that I still have Trevor Daly, Jonathan Erickson, Justin Abdicator, guys who are, are not really pushing the needle much. I still have those guys and they're not going anywhere. 100% agree on that. And I'd add the other thing you'll want to see is how the team looks energy wise and engagement wise in March when everyone knows they're out of the playoffs and, uh, and, and what do they have to play for? But pride, I mean, that's the, that's the thing that, that people talk about when they talk about losing the locker room. Like are, are the, are these Red Wings going to show up in the final month of the year when we all expect them to be eliminated from contention, whether it's technically mathematically or, or, or just in spirit. And are they, are they playing tight games still? Are they sneaking out wins? Do they pull off? I know everyone hated that win streak last year and man, with how Quentin Byfield looks, uh, they could really, really use some lottery luck this year, but are they still, are they still playing those games? Are they still uh, able to summon that effort level? And if they are, I think you have to give a lot of that credit to Blashell. Well, guys, that's uh, there's only so much that we can talk about the Red Wings preview, but um, I know, Max, this is disappointing because it's not the way we want to intro it. We, we joked about how we were going to do this. Uh, <laughs> you guys are, are, are close friends of ours, are, are amazing friends of the podcast, uh, and you have some exciting news of your own. So uh, if you guys want to share that with all the listeners. Yeah, hopefully some of you guys will have seen it on Twitter by the time this airs, but uh, Prashant and I are actually launching a podcast as well. It's going to be called Wings for Breakfast. Uh, It'll be twice a week. Once will be uh, free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and once a week will be behind the paywall for our athletic subscribers. We would love all of you to subscribe for The Athletic. Uh, I hope many of you already, but if you don't, um, we're really hoping to to give you guys a really complete look at at the Red Wings and it, it, it's not just going to be uh, we're not just going to try to do the winged wheel pod on our own like obviously like Ryan said we're all we're all pretty close friends by this point and we want to do things a little bit differently um, it'll, you know so we'll, we'll hope to be complimentary to what to what these guys are doing here and we still plan to do plenty of crossover yeah so uh, definitely encourage you guys to tune into that and um, as they build up we'll of course do the uh, cage match at the LCA and probably about eight months time. <laughs> no, super excited for these guys. Um, there's two of the best, like best people in hockey, uh, best people in the Red Wings world. So as their friend and as you know, fellow podcasters now, uh, incredibly proud. As a Red Wings fan, I'm pumped to listen uh, and excited. It just means more ways to work together and, and cross promote. So genuinely great news. Um, you guys are dead to us. So thanks for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's because we deny their uh their uh request from their lawyer rowan to uh, have them be paid as we couldn't afford american dollars so uh, yeah, that's right this is the winged wheel pod union breaking off and striking <laughs> yeah you can thank uh we can thank rohan for for all of this so 
Yeah, thanks for nothing, Rowan. No, it's it's genuinely really exciting. Uh, can't wait to listen. Guys, thank you so much. Uh, can't wait to experience this Red Wing season together. Hey, thanks for having us as always, Ryan. Thank you. Welcome back. That was our roundtable with Max and Prashanth. Uh, obviously, a big announcement with uh, their launch of their uh, podcast on The Athletic, Wings for Breakfast. Uh, first episode has already launched. Um, I, th- I gave that a listen. They have a dope intro. Their intro is sweet. Anyways, yeah. Max- I like ours. <laughs> I love ours. Uh, Max and Prashanth, uh, of course, uh, we're like we mentioned, we're still going to have uh, a lot of interaction. We're going to be doing a lot of cool stuff, uh, some crossover. So don't think that that's going away. Um, always fun to do Red Wings roundtables with them. And again, we did record that on Sunday. So a little bit has progressed uh, since then. All right. Uh, before we get to overtime, we have a giveaway. We already did our uh, home opener ticket giveaway where two people uh, won uh, tickets to come see the home opener with us, the host of the Wing Wheel podcast. Uh, they're sitting with us. Uh, they're coming to the meetup and everything, which is going to be great. But we have a, uh, a sponsor or a uh, an interested party on the show or an interested listener. Um, he goes by Everett. Um, he is amazing. And essentially, he is going to be uh, working with us and... Uh, giving away tickets to Red Wings games. The first uh, ticket get being given away is on October 22nd. And so if you want a chance to win that ticket giveaway, um, make sure to follow the show at Winged Wheel Pod. Bonus entries for following the hosts. So at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, at Hockey Town Evan. There's going to be a little pop-up right now in the video where I'll make that uh, show up so you can see who to follow. And then you retweet this episode. Tell a friend. Do your thing. And you'll be entered into the ticket giveaway. Should we make them follow Everett? Yes, Everett as well. Uh, I'll ask. Uh, yes, Everett as well. He might not want that attention, yeah, so leave I, that up to him. I always uh, – oh, maybe he didn't even want to be called out like that. But you know what? If he didn't, then that's okay. Maybe it's not his name. Maybe that's just the city he's from. That's true. Uh, so if you want to win a ticket to the October 22nd game, uh, again, follow, like, retweet. We're going to have a lot more. and We're going to have you do some cool, interesting stuff. Who, who are they playing on the 22nd? Uh, I don't know. One of you guys pull that up. I don't have that in front of me. Come We're, on. You're going to make me pull my phone out of my pocket like a damned animal. <laughs> we had. <laughs> I made Ryan, them, I what made, is this? I made them put their phones away as we transitioned back. You in. And then out? you're you making me pulling it like, Come on. Tell me, what do you want, computer man? That's going to be clipped. What Evan just said is going to be clipped and it's going to be used against us. Uh, um, we're going to head to. O- so is that Vancouver? Maybe. Oh, you get to see Elias Peterson if you win that ticket. Oh, that's going to be a great. Yeah. And Brock Besser and Quinn Hughes and generally a more exciting hockey team uh we're gonna head over to patreon where all of their comments are read out uh on air as our way of saying thank you for supporting the show of course these midweek episodes the uh overtime segment is patreon exclusive uh matthew dainton says hey guys hope all is well i'll be home on leave and got tickets to the griffins game can't wait to see our young talent thinking about picking up my first griffins jersey which jersey would you guys get and why oh there's so many good ones. I think a most cider jersey would be absolutely sweet. If you have a lot of cash, wait for their like special jersey night and get one of those. I have no no opinion one way or the other. Grand Rapids Griffins jersey. Who would you get? Um, you, see, the thing is, there's a lot of players. Like the obvious answers are like Valeno, Zadina, Cider, but I feel like I'm going to end up with Red Wings jerseys and all Jordan two two. So Jordan two two. You you kind of want to pick like. A career Griffin, it feels like, is the right off. Joe Hicketts. Joe Hicketts is a good pick, I'm thinking here. Dom Turgeon, maybe a Matt Ford if you want to be uber loyal. 
Marty Furk. Uh, Dalton Moore says, howdy boys. My first season listening to the podcast. So I'm excited for that. Thanks for making the off season a little bit more bearable. After seeing the Griffins roster for the upcoming season, I look to see when they play the Cleveland monsters as I am uh, about an hour from downtown Cleveland. Sorry to hear. Uh, luckily I found myself a couple of games to choose from. I would usually wear my monsters Jersey, but as they're playing the Griffins, I can't get myself to do that. Is it a Jersey foul to wear a wings Jersey or should I try to find a cheap Griffins Jersey? Uh, no, you're allowed to wear the NHL affiliation yeah. instead of the AHL. That's very common. Even if you look at Griffin's home games, there's a lot of Red Wings jerseys there. Kalen Wood says, hey, Dub Dweebs, popping in to ask about cars. I wish I didn't have to own a car, but here in Tejas, it's a must. Wondering what your realistic dream car would be. For example, I would love a fancy pants Maserati, but a brand new VW GTI. Something I can afford, has zip, and is practical for a daily commute. is way more in my wheelhouse. Uh, uh, my dream car is one I'm not making monthly payments on. God, boring. I got a Ford Ranger with your name on it, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> I'd also like a car I don't have to make monthly payments on and actually functions yeah. when we drive to Detroit. Fair enough. Um, for me, I would love an RS3, an Audi RS3. It's like above the S3. Uh boy, attainable car. If I was really like having a midlife crisis, I would love a Nissan GTR. No, those. I think that's. I don't know. Just straight up the Batmobile, Tesla. I, I think I, I would love. Oh, uh, you would. Yeah. <laughs> I would. Uh, I would. The look of disgust uh, on Evan's yeah. face. You and Philpila and Nielsen in your vanilla Teslas. <laughs> Anyways, uh, hell yeah. Can't wait for our first game. So pumped to watch us do whatever it is we're going to do out there on the ice. You ever laugh at how much players and coaches say out there when talking about the game? Which is likely to be something very lame and bad outside of our first line, boys. P.S. Just wanted to flex on my boys above and say that I got a custom Zadina Griffin sweater last year, so I am set. Get on my level, but to Dalton, it is not a jersey foul to wear a wing sweater to an affiliate game. I've seen it plenty here in Austin at Texas Stars games. You do you, but as for me, I find any excuse to buy a new one, so maybe pick up that fancy-ass cider jersey while it's hot. Happy Hockey XOXO. Evan Beckner says, hey guys, hockey is finally here. Even though the team is going to be bad, I'm excited to see some growth in our young players. Also very interested to see what moves Eisman makes to improve the team. To be honest, I don't really expect him to make any waves at all this year, as the wings are going to be bad no matter what, but he's shown that he's willing to make difficult trades for the betterment of the team. Holland would have never traded St. Louis or bought out Vinny LeCavalier, and he never would have traded Drouin. It's not too crazy to entertain the idea that any one of the first-round picks could be moved for a great return. I assume any real moves would be made next offseason. However, be patient. Trust the Iser plan. Thanks for a great discussion and looking forward to seeing you Sunday. Marissa says, what's the best flavor of Pop-Tart? And can we also agree that Larkin's butt deserves to see? We didn't even talk about that. Yeah. Larkin's butt. That ad was the most perfect ad in the world. Because A, Larkin has now transcended hockey. Larkin has brought his butt into the, the hockey social world, which is the biggest story in hockey right now. And the season just started. He's like a few followers away from sponsoring Bang Energy and Skinny Tea on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, secondly, <laughs> ho- hockey butt is a very real thing. It is very difficult to buy pants. And so that ad was talking about something serious. Uh, it absolutely deserves to see. Best flavor of Pop-Tart. S'mores. What's a strawberry? Is a it strawberry, strawberry the yeah. with the sprinkle? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, My one buddy, every cottage weekend we have, brings like five packs of those. When we're hammered, he just shoves one in your mouth like it's a floppy disk. 
You want you want a hot take? I said floppy disk, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's make sure the record's straight. Uh, my hot take is that Pop Tarts are so often poor because of their terrible filling ratio that they're not even worth your time. Have you, you ever? Are you, you, uh, do you toast toasters sometimes? Yeah, I'm the same way. If I'm super hungover, it doesn't get toasted. Yeah, but I prefer toasted. And they call me the cop. Connor Jager says, hey, boys, long time, no comment. want to take a moment to say you guys have been killing it, especially these last few months. Seems the pod has grown a lot this past offseason and will continue to snowball. Appreciate you saying that, Connor. We really mean it when we say we've seen an amazing amount of growth. You guys have made us the biggest Red Wings podcast on the air, and we want this season to blow all the past growth out of the water. Uh, he goes on to say, the season is finally here, and it's time to frickin' enjoy some hockey. Also, are we allowed? To, are we still allowed to say frickin' even though he isn't in the organization anymore? Yes, because it's such a good word. Can't wait to see everyone at the home opener this Sunday. Uh, just your average Tej says, what's up, gents? A few more days until hockey and our meetup. I usually get a signed puck while I'm there from the store this year. I'm not sure if I should get Athanasiu, Mantha, Burt, Valeno, Sedina, or German Lidstrom. If you had to pick up one of these, uh, which would you pick up? Always looking to add to my collection. Hashtag stay fresh cheese bags. Steve Ott. Yep, that's the only answer. Mantha, because it'll be the most relevant this year. Rowan, you guys ready? No. no. <laughs> Rowan says, good day, dud duds. Special counsel Mika Crisco has found the defendant, Brad Crisco, guilty on all charges. Will the execution by Stay Fresh Cheesebag suffocation be live streamed? Who will tie it off? Will that honor be a patron exclusive giveaway? That's a fantastic idea. Who am I, what am I guilty of? Anyways, Brad is a cop. Um, I'm what? Uh, that's quick ho- that's uh, oxymoron. Quick hockey time. Why did he create a parody Twitter account when at Winged Wheel Pod is a parody account? Yeah, someone created a. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, I, I think I got a screenshot of that to you guys when I saw it. It was a Winged Wheel Podcast trade rumors account based on our rant about. We put out a clip <laughs> about fake hockey news. We put it on YouTube. Uh, go subscribe if you haven't already. Um, and someone created a Winged Wheel Podcast trade rumors Twitter account, and I I saw it. I went, oh Jesus Christ! Do you know what that that account's lacking? What? Trade rumors. They've been making them up. Get on it. More of them. Weird. I know everyone is excited for the season, but there's only 267 days until the NHL entry draft. So yeah, that. Rugby World Cup time, just about halfway through the pool games and the quarterfinals picture is starting to take shape. I'm not going to bombard you with names again because, quite frankly, last week's episode was really hard to listen to and your efforts really reading names suck, too. (laughs) (laughs) We got pumped by New Zealand. Oh, it was 62 to nothing, I believe. Rowan said we were okay in terms of, like, what you could expect. Were we supposed to lose 100 to nothing? shut out? Uh, <laughs> I saw. I actually caught part of the game, and I saw a point where Canada was really close to getting a try, and then New Zealand immediately took the ball, came back, and got one themselves. Um, the Wallabies will still be wearing their Indigenous alternate strip this weekend versus Uruguay, and it looks great. Check it out here; it is a great kit. Uh, I have it here for you guys to go look over. It reminds me of can- the uh, background in Canada's 2010. Olympic it's nice. Jerseys. It's a bit much. Sort of covered jersey time, so it begs the question, why aren't there any Stay Fresh Cheese Bags Dud Dud t-shirts? That's a fantastic question. We really should be making Stay Fresh Cheese Bag shirts. Well, let's uh, maybe just keep venturing over to our uh, the shop on our website daily and just keep checking in until it's there. Uh, surely that's a good way to inject some cash into your podcast. Obviously, Joseph and I take royalties, but you should be able to get enough suckers, uh, I mean people, to fill the coffers. Stay Fresh Cheese Bags merch, a Fournier company, and money grabber's choice. Hashtag stay fresh cheese bags and Brad is a cop. 
John Evans <laughs> says, hey, guys, greetings from Ohio. I left a voicemail at Little Caesars Arena to find if stay fresh cheese bags can be brought into the arena or if that vi- violates their clear bag policy. You know, the one that's totally keeping us safe and not a tremendous pain in the ass or a ploy to sell special bags to fans. <laughs> Anyways, I'll let you know when they get back to me. So the other day, a restaurant by my house had its fire alarm go off and the fire department showed up, followed shortly by the police. My question is, Brad, why didn't you tell me you were going to be in Columbus that day? Because Brad is a cop, you see. Anyways, nothing to add this week. Keep up the great work. Looking forward to your insights twice a week this season. The Niebler says, hey, boys, greetings from Calgary. I met friends of Evans a couple weeks ago. Steven Christian from KW. Who is this? The Niebler. He's from Calgary. How does it, oh he'll have to message me on Twitter? I want to know. Uh, you met Stephen Christian from KW. We have a mutual friend, so we see each other often now. This whole comment is probably uh, moot because Evan isn't there. Surprise. <laughs> Anyways, I flew down to Vegas last March to see the Red Wings play. It was such a fun experience. I was curious That's if you so funny if you boys had any plans to ever watch the Red Wings in Vegas. I would love to. That's be scraping me up off the floor. That's yeah. my number one the uh, arena to go to. <laughs> That I haven't been to yet, although I like the Golden Knights, so I don't know if I'd want to see the Red Wings there because I actually feel like I, I'd want to be cheering for the home team in that building. But if the opportunity presented itself, I'm absolutely going to a Vegas Red Nashville, Wings game. Nashville, uh, Vegas, L.A. Okay, question. Uh, off topic, speaking of going. Number one game outside of a non-Red Wing game I absolutely want to see above all else right now live. Is Vegas San Jose? Yeah, oh, 100%. Oh. that is the best rivalry in the NHL right now. Vegas San Jose, it can't happen in all likelihood, but Game Seven Conference Finals. Oh my God! Did you and did you see Reeves just tee off in the media on yeah, Evander Kane? Yes. yes. Uh, he goes on to say they're playing the same weekend, March twenty first. Planning on going again. If any other members of the Dub Dub family are going, let me know. Stay fresh, Doritos nachos. Huh, that's a twist. Uh, yeah, if we all of a sudden. You know, if this podcast takes off, takes off, well, let's go. Yeah, we're uh, at like 500 patrons. maybe. <laughs> Don Mitchell says, what's up, boys? Hockey season is finally back. Sunday can't come soon enough, although my drive from Nebraska is going to suck. Uh, I live a couple hours from the Iowa, Iowa Wilds Arena, and I'm going to get tickets in December for when our Griffins are come to town. What a way to pop the AHL cherry. Uh, we'll be seeing a, will we be seeing a similar negotiation with Zadina's next contract as Nylander and Marner seeing as they all have the same agent? I don't think so. No. No, Phillips Dina does not equal Mitch Marner. I know that's future Eiserman's problem but and issue, but Dangle already wished that evil on us on his podcast. Damn it, Steve. We'll get him back. Uh, what are the details with the meetup? What are some recommendations uh, for making me forget the damn drive? This podcast. Uh, are drinks on Evan if Larkin is introduced at Captain at Introductions? Yes. Uh, that kind of money. Yes, they are. Uh, again, I'm looking forward to meeting you all. I'll be the one in Wings gear. See you all Sunday. Cheers, Don. Don's one of the winners of our uh, giveaway. Does our sponsor oh, nice. sell beer in the LCA? They sure do. Do they? Yeah, a little oh, bit. And I'm all on board. Anyone <laughs> else, they're dead to me. <laughs> Give us money or you're dead to us. Exactly. <laughs> the Winged Wheel Podcast. Yep. Uh, Justin Kalinsky says, good day, dud duds. We're days away from the meetup and I can't wait. For next year's draft, let's pretend we received the sixth overall pick. Who would you select? Whenever I play the franchise mode for NHL 20, Mantha ends up being captain. Thoughts? That's weird. Okay. So let's assume that the top five goes Lafreniere, Byfield, Raymond, Holtz, Perfetti. <clears throat> Who are you taking, Ryan? Where are, we, where are we drafting? Sixth? Sixth. Everybody does. Perfetti, for... please. No, I just said he's gone. He's gone at five. Oh. Perfetti's gone at five? Yeah. I don't even know. Askarov. Ooh. 
That that was my first thought. And with like those guys are the ones that you think of when when you're a Red Wings fan and you're thinking you're getting a top three pick. Those are the guys you're keeping track mm-hmm. of. And anytime I venture out of those guys, I'm like, why not just take Askarov? You know, it's not. A We've done dumber picks. picks in the top ten. Am I right? Yeah. <sighs> Hear me out. Jamie Drysdale. Jamie Drysdale is another one that's up there. I'm trying to pull up this list because it's very hard to. So Lafreniere's gone, Perfetti's gone, Lindell's gone, Byfield's gone. No, I said Lindell's there. Lindell's there. Holtz is gone. Lindell's. I'd take Lindell. He'd take the centerman at six. Okay. Oh, Drysdale though. Drysdale. Drysdale. If if Dry- imagine Cider and Drysdale and Heronic up the right side of your defense. I don't even care. We don't need to draft a single left-handed defenseman ever again. No, whatever. We'll go back to one-handedness. Doesn't matter. Yep. Rob Mc- Rob McLean says, "Hey guys, I'm new to the podcast scene. I found you guys uh, during the summer. Oh, he's a new patron. Welcome, Rob, and thank you for joining the Dubbed Up family. Uh, I found you guys during the summer in my desperate attempt to keep up with hockey content. I'm happy to support you guys in what little ways I'm able to. Dude, it's amazing. I'm so happy that you found us. Tell your friends." Um, I'm happy to, or I'm a Michigan native, but I've lived all over the country currently based in Southwest Florida. I grow cannabis for the medical market and I'm a pretty mediocre men's league goalie. I'm a true bud tender. That's amazing. I uh, can't wait to keep, keep up with you guys this season. I have two thoughts for the upcoming season. One, what is the likelihood of Blash getting canned and what can I do to help make that happen? Um, slim, but not as slim as it was last year. Yes. I would say 10%. Long-term projection is higher of him getting fired. You gotta have somebody who can come in, or Dan Bilesma's interim for the whole year, which would suck for him. Um, if we're in the bottom three the entire year, or by Christmas at Christmas, Merry Christmas, Jeff. I don't. I don't even think that would do it. It's gonna have to take it going off the rails. And I'm talking Detroit has a stretch where they win like two out of fifteen. The problem is, is everything I hear, everyone loves. Jeff Blashill in hockey in general. Everyone loves him. So it's not like we're projecting to be a good team. So being at the bottom already, maybe we don't get rid of him. I don't really know anymore. I don't know. It doesn't matter right now. Is my exactly. Uh, two, I wonder if Zadina fell a few spots in the draft for a reason. I know he's young. It's early and everything else, but I'm worried that there won't be a top six forward there. I'm going to root for the guy no matter what, of course. Boy, could Cider have made up for any draft busts in the last one or two drafts, though. Keep up the good work, uh, good work, guys. Uh, Advanced Water says, what's up, Dub Dub? Over the past year, I've tried to get my life together, which is actually how I found this podcast. I needed more things to listen to at the gym. Anyways, I've lost about 100 pounds and now have the equivalent body equivalent to an off-season Jimothy Howard. Dude, that is amazing. Congratulations. That is absolutely monumental. And the fact that we were part of that journey is just makes me like uh, all weird and tingly. How Evan feels when he sees Brad and I, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but seriously, that's keep it up. You're crushing it. Uh, I've thought about trying to play hockey in a local beer league, and I did recently try ice skating for the first time in roughly two decades last week, and I was like Bambi covered in Crisco. <laughs> when I fell down, I had to stop and contemplate life for a solid 30 seconds before my body would allow me to try to stand up, but it did give me a new appreciation for how hard hockey must actually be. Keep at it, man. Everyone starts like that. Literally everyone, doesn't matter what age you are. Keep hurts a it. lot more when you're older. <laughs> sure does. Falling on your knees, you just sit there on on all fours and you contemplate what the hell you're doing with your life. Uh, Tony Hatcher says, just found out I'll be in Michigan this weekend. I still have to head back uh, to Pittsburgh Sunday night, so I won't make the game, but my girlfriend and I will be making the meetup. Amazing. Nice. Yes, that is excellent. N- news. Another state represented. Yes. All right, guys. The meetup, Sunday, October 6th. 
1 p.m. Founders Tap Room Detroit, Charlotte Street, Stones Throw Away from Little Caesars Arena. Swag giveaways. We're gonna be there's gonna be shirts. There's gonna be awesome food and beer. If you get there early, we're gonna we usually buy a bunch for the crowd to start. Um, we're gonna walk over to the game together. Ticket giveaway. Follow the Winged Wheel podcast. Like the po- like the tweet for this episode. Retweet it. You follow the hosts. Bonus entries. We'll see about Everett. I'll ask him. Um, that's for the ticket on October twenty second, guys. It is hockey season. We are almost there. I would like to thank everyone who stuck through, uh, stuck with us through the offseason. All of our name-level patrons, Sky Carcass, Luke Johnson, Arjun Shanker, Don Mitchell, Clayton Van Dyken, Mike Reed, Langabeer, Matthew M. Rice, Sean Levine, Kaylin Wood, Charlie Elkins, John Evans, Antonio Lupu, Rob Thiel, Stan Olson, Ryan Lewis, Mike DiLoretto, and Hannah Lee. Thank you all so much. Red Wings hockey is coming. We can do this, guys. We'll do it together. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.